Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there'll be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6-NERDS-5. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Here we go again, it's our film explosion. The movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop, here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! This is Real Nerds Podcast, Film Explosion 2022. And what makes this more special than the previous two is James is back! Hi, James. Hey! How you guys doing? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. It has been a while. It has been a while. I, I I hear you got, I hear you got a lot of lists in the uh, in the time that I was gone. Yes, we, we got did. Some lists from my mom, from Jake. I feel like my whole family is writing in without me. I know it's we got to have a heart representation somewhere, and um, but it's great seeing your beautiful face. <laughs> um, I've missed you, and just seeing you even on video conference is getting me turned on now. <laughs> Uh, to welcome. my immediate right is the other OG real nerd, Brad. What's my call sign? Oh, so I had two for you. Mm. So you can choose. It's oh, either goody. Turtle yes. or Picasso because you create everything. Uh, in the interest of movies and pop culture, I'm going to go with uh, Turtle. Awesome. For me, I chose uh, the talent. <laughs> Um, I thought it was going to be like a big rod or something. <laughs> big no, rod. I'm not that crude. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say horsecock Johnson, but. Um, That's too long then, to fit on a helmet. Brad, I pulled up the ones that you named everybody if you wanted to go. Oh, you, you want me to read Yeah, because you, I mean, you, you came up with them. So I don't want to steal your thunder. Well, if they hate them, I don't want to get credit for okay, it. Okay, if they hate them, I came up with them. If they, you, they like them, they're your idea. Cool. Uh, where did I send them? Just directly to you? Yeah, yeah. directly to me. Uh, yeah, so uh, to your left is Corinne. Howdy. And we have assigned her Otaku, <laughs> the Japanese for anime fan, That's American so anime mean. fan. That's so mean, you guys. <laughs> really? That's mean? Oh, man, yeah, maybe we should totally say mean. Zach's. <laughs> you, wear it with pride. you wear it with pride. <laughs> uh, and directly ahead of us is James. Who we have uh, dubbed Ghost. <laughs> Fair. Because he's almost an apparition to us today. And then to my right is Zach. Hello. And we've assigned him Chatterbox. 
Uh, and the reason we all have call signs is because uh, Top Gun Maverick was the biggest movie of the year. So we thought we'd have fun with it. And um, yeah, we also so every year at the end of the year, the beginning of the year, I guess, technically, uh, we have our 10 favorite films in this thing we call Film Splosion. And we will reveal each film as we go, starting with number 10. Uh, if you've never listened to us before, we will say, Zach, what is your number 10 film? And you'll give a little intro. A little intro. Wait, wait. You mean a long intro? Is that what you said? <laughs> and uh, then we'll play the trailer. Then we'll talk about it some more. If there is a repeat, we won't play the trailer again. Um, there probably will be sweeping, I'm guessing, by Zach. And hey, I mean, I still have the all time sweeper of the fog from 10 that Zach put at one. Yeah, but um, it happens. You don't you don't so, understand the monster, yeah, but it was created. the fog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so also on top of this, Brad came up with this idea where we each picked three films that we believe the nerds will have on their list compiled by the other nerds. And their ranking. Um, and however close you are, is you get points. It's three points if you're right on, and it's one point if you're in two, correct, Brad? Uh, yeah. Awesome. Hang on a sec, I gotta get a scoring sheet. So, whilst we do this, though, I, I mean, I know none of you guys are at the talent like me. Don't play your hand if someone got it right. Just sit there and, and smile and you know, pretend that you don't know what's happening. Ask yourself, what would Cary Grant do? Be <laughs> yes. cool and shut Just up. Just be cool. <laughs> Keep your poker face. Yes. Like Lady Gaga. Yes. So cool. while Brad grabs a score sheet, um, I will tell you the order of film explosion. First will be Zach. Then it'll be the talent. Then it'll be James. Then Corinne. And then Brad. Oh, so in order of importance. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, from least to most. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you didn't let me finish the sentence, James. <laughs> so since that's how it's going to be when we reveal our films, I'm going to go the opposite way on what we believe people's films are going to be. Brad, start us off. Oh, he's not ready. Corinne, start us off. <laughs> okay, so do I go by nerd? Uh, yeah. Okay. For Ryan, I have Top Gun as your number two. I have Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness as your number seven. And I have Prey as number eight. For Brad, I have The Batman as number one. Top Gun as number three. And then Weird, the Al Yankovic story as number eight. For Zach, um, I already know this is wrong, but I had Glass Onion as number three. Nope as number four, and then the Fablemans is number five. And then James, I hope your tastes have not changed much because I have no <laughs> Glass Onion as number three, Top Gun is number two, and then Downton Abbey 2, A New Era or whatever it's called, as your number eight. All right. Fascinating. That was really fast, and Brad didn't get any of that. <laughs> um, Zach? Well, I wrote go. it down. Right. So. so for Brad, I had uh, Top Gun at number three. Weird at number two, and Batman at number one. For Ryan, I had Weird at number three, Doc Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at number two, and Top Gun for number one. For James, I had The Fablemans at number three, Top Gun at number two, and Everything Everywhere All at Once at number one. 
And for Corinne, I had Top Gun at number three, Turning Red at number two, and Black Panther at number one. James? Hmm. Cool. Um, So for Brad, uh, Brad's number one is going to be Top Gun Maverick. His number two is going to be Batman. And then his number, uh, we're going to say his number 10 is going to be Tony Scott's Top Gun. Um, (laughs) For for Ryan, uh, Ryan's number one is going to be Top Gun Maverick. Uh, His number two is going to be Doctor Strange. Uh, And then his number three is going to be Avatar The Way of Water. (laughs) then uh zach zach your number one is gonna be nope because like you just don't give a shit um and then your number two is gonna be halloween ends uh and then your number three is gonna be chip and dale rescue rangers um yeah oh oh but you know what i forgot i forgot actually sorry i was gonna change that your act uh, i forgot my other guess my actual third guess is your your number seven is top gun maverick because you're an asshole um and then corinne uh your number one is gonna be top gun maverick because like Come on, you're a human being. And then your number two is going to be The Lost City. Because, like, you know, I've, I can see that one slipping in. Uh, and then your number three is going to be Blonde. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Uh. <laughs> <sighs> Which I still haven't finished because I, I can only watch it, like, 20 minutes at a time. It just makes me angry. Yeah, I'm, I, I've decided it's not worth my time. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Brad, you want me to go or you want to go? I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready. All right, go ahead, Brad. Okay. Uh, even though I already know <laughs> how I did, because I made the Blu-ray. Uh, Ryan, I put Top Gun Maverick in number one, Terrifier two in his number four slot, Prey in his number nine slot. Corinne, I gave Glass Onion to the, the number two slot, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever in slot four, and Turning Red in in number eight. For Zach, I did Halloween Ends in number three, Fablemans in number six, and. Hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm in number nine. <laughs> and then for James, I did Glass Onion in number three, Everything Everywhere All at Once in number four, and Black Panther Wakanda Forever in number six. All right. This will be the list that blows everybody away. They're like, how did he know? All right. Um, so, Brad, I have Batman number one for you, Maverick number two. Watch this wild card, guys. Harvester number eight. <laughs> oh. Uh, Zach, I have number one for you is Fablemans. Number three is Nope. And number seven is Maverick. Uh, James, I have... Hell yeah. (laughs) See? (laughs) I have Batman number one for you. I have the Northman number eight. And number Mm. ten, because you always do a ringer, I have RRR. And um, (laughs) Corinne, number one for you, I have Glass Onion. Number three, Black Panther. And number eight, Banshees of Inshirin, because you like English and stuff. And I couldn't find any it's anime. Irish. <laughs> it's Irish. I know. It's, I, know I, I said English and stuff, and I know it's Irish. Oh, yeah. that's how the UK is just. That whole English. island is English. Literally, yeah. It's literally Which I know said those during the Irish Civil War. Can, so can I, yeah, exactly. Can uh, I, duh. Can I really quickly, since you, or have you already. Yeah, I'm done. Okay, I, I wanted to, because it's been a long time since I've seen James. There were three entries that I just kind of assumed that he might do this so is is his number 10 is morbius his number five is a video game <laughs> and his number six is netflix is falling for christmas <laughs> i thought about it can you guys also email all those lists to uh realers at gmail so i can like tabulate them because mm-hmm. I, I could not keep up with any of that so while we're doing the Here, show I'll, I'll write them all down and yeah can I'll, i retext um, it to you brad since you already have it in text yeah 
Uh, do you want just me to text as well? <laughs> sure, whatever. Um, yeah, I I will I will say that this year, all of the things listed on my top ten list do properly qualify uh, as as films released in this year. I did have one cheat. <laughs> I came close. I came close. Tried to, to sneak an anime in there. I almost put George Carlin and American Dream on there because I loved it so much. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, let's get this show on the road. Zach, your number 10 film. All right. My number 10 film. Uh, I'm going to go to the bathroom now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, uh, there were two films I watched after I submitted my list, so this is kind of like the second to last top 10, but I still stand by this. Uh, my number 10 is a biopic that I wasn't expecting to enjoy, and here it is. Our country itself is sick. But it's lost its sense of direction. Even its common decency. You don't so much as wiggle a finger. There's a lot of people saying a lot of things. But in the end, you gotta listen to yourself. In that moment, Elvis the man was sacrificed, and Elvis the God was born. I'm gonna show you what the real Elvis is like tonight! You're looking for trouble? You came to the right place. You're looking for trouble? You look right in my face. He had no idea what he had done. To promote you, Mr. Presley. Tomorrow, all of America will be talking about my war. Who the hell is there? Elvis Presley. We don't do the business, the business will do you. I'm gonna do what I want to do. Sing the music that I want. They're gonna put me in jail. The way you sing is God given. So there can't be nothing wrong with it. Where's the woman for my money? If you don't listen to me, you will fall the show. All that your mama has sacrificed for you will be for nothing. Trust me. Talk about the new Elvis. Those people ain't gonna change me none. I think if you dream it, you'll do it. Never met anyone like you. I hope not. We can't go on together. We're suspicious. Without me, there would be no Elvis Presley. Reverend once told me that things are too dangerous to say. Sing. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Elvis Presley. This ain't no nostalgia show. 
We're gonna do something different. Yeah, so my number 10 is Elvis, or Baz Luhrmann presents Colonel Tom Parker presents Elvis. Um, uh, I, uh, I was not expecting to enjoy this film. Uh, it took me a while to see it and my number seven, um, just because of the year being chaotic with life changes. But when I sat down to finally watch this, uh, I was incredibly impressed by how well it handled the biopics aspect while not ingratiating it in too much uh, cheesiness. Like, it, it feels about as natural as I expect Baz Luhrmann to get. Uh, and this is honestly the best Baz Luhrmann movie I've seen since, I guess, Moulin Rouge. Um, and it, it's forced me to want to kind of go back through his work and maybe reevaluate Australia or maybe even Great Gatsby. Eh, I'm not, I don't think my opinion will change on that. But um, also, I think the internet's been mean to Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker. I think this is actually really a fun role for him to play. I love when Tom Hanks is a villain uh, because The Lady Killers is an amazing film. And um, I liked watching him kind of play that manipulation game um, with Austin Butler's Elvis. Like he was, he was stellar in his performance. I, I think that people were a little too harsh with the accent thing. Um, it's I because I will say this: it's way better here than it is in Pinocchio. Not even a question. Um, and it's just it's a very well told Elvis movie. Um, the only other film that tops it in terms of telling the Elvis story is the John Carpenter. Kurt Russell Elvis TV movie. Um, so it had kind of a high bar for me to climb and it totally succeeded. So if you haven't seen Elvis yet, I would check it out. It's on a streaming service that I don't recommend you get because they're being a piece of shit right now. So go rent it instead. Um. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Having lived under a rock this year, I uh, didn't know anyone actually went to see this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, people went. Are awesome. you caught in a trap that you can't get out? Zach was the one person who went to see it. No, I was just avoiding the trailers for Elvis. So, yeah, full, full, dis full disclosure: there's a couple entries in here where I didn't get to go to the theaters, so it kind of fell to VOD, and Elvis was one of them. So, dude, I think almost every movie I watched on my list I watched at home, other than like two. So it, it, it's okay. Yeah, so, yeah, sometimes it happens. Uh, or, or, you, or you drag your kid to movies that, like, eh, he can probably see this. Who knows? Yeah, you know, Huck's almost two. He can watch The Batman for three hours. He'll be yeah. fine. Yeah, you know, I Kellen asked to go see Avatar, and I go, man, I don't know. <laughs> but I actually think well, he might I, like it. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I make that joke. Huck has actually seen, like, the first hour of The Batman. Oh, yeah. Um, so. I know. I, 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 I was watching... <laughs> I was watching the Batman too with uh, Kellen, and he goes, "This is movie's pretty awesome, Dad." I'm like, you know, right? <laughs> um, cool. Uh, my number ten. So I had so many films that I was going to put at number ten, and I know they're supposed to be our ten favorite films and all that stuff. And this film is one of my favorite films of the year, but I didn't know if anyone else was going to put this on this list, and. I think my list actually is going to surprise people this year because I have some things besides obviously my number one, but everything else might surprise some people. And this is a horror film that I think people really should see because it's batshit crazy. And I don't have the remote. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. This is 476 Barbary, right? 
Yeah, I'm renting this place. No, I booked it a month ago. Are you sure you have the right place? Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Why don't you come inside and we'll call these idiots. Why don't you just crash here? Oh, no. I don't know if you got a great look at this neighborhood, but I don't think you should be out there by yourself. It's dry and there's a lock on the door. By the way, I'm Keith. Tess. You take the bedroom and I'll sleep out here on the couch. Uh, my, my number 10 is Barbarian, which is uh, a film that has this woman and this man double booked an Airbnb. And while they're there, there is a mystery to this house. And what I love about this film is there's a lot of surprises in it because the trailer is maybe the first 30 minutes of the movie where they kind of set it up as uh, Skarsgård's character is uh, maybe the bad guy and she goes down into the, the depths of the house. Uh, I won't spoil the movie because it's batshit crazy and um, it's super gory and yeah, um, it's... I just don't want to spoil it because there's so much of this movie that isn't told in the trailer that I think is really awesome. Uh, this movie is written and directed by one half of the whitest kids you know. So it's kind of interesting that he went this route. Um, it also has Justin Long in it, and he doesn't show up till about 45, 50 minutes into the movie. Um, and he plays a really conceited actor. And um, his career is in shambles at this point um for a very uh what do you what i want to say a very um new thing that's been happening in hollywood where people are being exposed for who they are and so it's i will say that he's the one who owns this house and uh how it plays out is you don't think it's it's not going to play out how you think it's going to play out i promise it's uh off the wall crazy 
And I had a few oh. horror films I was going to put at number 10, and this is the one I chose because this is the one that surprised me the most when I saw it in theaters. Ryan, should I see this movie? Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Um, I would say, though, <laughs> that make sure your kids are in bed. And sure. I don't know if it's I – don't, I don't know if Brooks likes horror films. So she'll, she'll like a horror movie, but Evil Dead is too gory for so her. So no. Okay. Because – Fuck. It – Man, I, so it is pretty gory, but it's not unrelenting like Evil Dead. Okay, the unrelenting is her problem. But so, the yes. last 35 to 40 minutes of the film doesn't stop. Okay. So right. uh, that caveat, I mean, there's Maybe lots I'll... of gore, but it builds the yeah. suspense to it. So, I mean, I think it's well made, and I think it's well worth people checking out, so... Um, yeah, maybe I'll watch it in 20-minute increments on my phone while I do dishes. <laughs> you should. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Uh, perfect segue, James. Your number 10 film. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, so a couple of things about this. Uh, perfect segue because actually, yeah, I watched this movie to my shame in 20-minute increments while on my phone while doing things like packing Christmas decorations and did doing dishes, uh, which is, if anything, is is a testament to uh, how fucking dope-ass this movie is. Um so my number 10, yes, Ryan's right. Like I, I do tend to put like a ringer at my number 10. Um, and uh, this is, this thing just has to be on the list because like I was terrified that we wouldn't talk about it at all. Um, so yeah, here's my number 10. Scott <laughs> పులిని పట్టుకోవాలంటే వేటగాడు కావాలి పని చేయగలిగేది ఒక్కడే సార్ పానం కన్నా విలువైన నీ సోప తినా సొంతం అన్న గర్వంతోకి మనలో కలిసిపోతేనే చాలా ప్రమాదం ప్రాణాలు పోతాయిరా ఆనందంగా ఇచ్చేస్తాను బాబాయ్ యుద్ధాన్ని వెతుక్కుంటూ 
ఆయుధాలు వాటంతటవే వస్తాయి ఎంతసేపు కుంభస్థలాన్ని బద్దల కొడతాం పదా Uh, yeah, so my number 10 is RRR, uh, which is just some of the most fun I had watching a movie this year. Um, so I, this was like, not a surprise necessarily, because I'd heard about it before I went in. Like, I knew what I was getting into. Um, RRR tells the story of uh, if Super Cop and Rambo were the very best friends, <laughs> and but also it turns out they were on opposite sides of a civil war, but maybe they weren't. Whatever. doesn't matter. What's really great about this movie is that every single second of it is is not trying to justify itself. It is just trying to be the very coolest thing it can possibly be at any one moment. Um, and so it's just, it is fun. You are going to see ridiculous things you've never seen before, like a man throw a tiger at another man. <laughs> and when you see it, you won't be like, that's cheesy and dumb. You'll be like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, genuinely, when he attacks that place and he like release, it's like a third of the way into the movie, but he releases like the army of animals as he attacks. Oh God. It's just so freaking cool. Um, when there like my wife walked in uh i was watching on the on our our main tv during the the dance sequence in the middle um and she was like this is great like I, what is this i was like yeah we need more dance in our film like i i i regret that there is not another movie on my list that has like a really awesome just mid like uncharted would have been better if there had been like just a really good dance <laughs> sequence in the middle for some reason um So yeah, I, I think it's great. It, it is a movie that everyone should find a way to check out somehow. Uh, I will say, you guys were talking during the trailer about the the dubbing. Like, if you do watch the dubbed version, because that's the way you you would prefer to watch it. Like, make sure you turn on the subtitles because the translation in the dubbing sucks. And there are times where the characters are going to say just dumb, shitty lines that if you read the the subtitles, which I assume are are translated better, it's just a better written line. Like, there's one moment where you know the the because there's long montages on this in this movie where super cop and rambo ride on motorcycles together and and you know think about how much they love each other and uh there's a scene where he's he's uh super cop is teaching rambo how to hit on women and that scene in the dub is like really sexist and shitty and in the in the uh in the subtitles is actually like kind of cool um i mean they're still hitting on women but you know like you you do um So yeah, RR is fantastic. You you need to check it out. It is, I, I the only reason I couldn't justify it being higher on the list is like, I do think about this list in terms of like what I recommend to people, and this is one where you have to go into it, um, sort of understanding that there is a cultural difference here because, obviously, it's no spoilers. We're going to talk about Top Gun later on in this show. Uh, Top Gun pulls off in my mind like an absolute miracle in in 
doing something in the plot that is actually really cheesy and silly, but justifying it in such a way that when you realize what they did, you're like, holy shit, how did you not show your hand, right? This movie does not, like, this movie would not see, you know, them finding that 80s jet in Top Gun and go, like, they would be like, why would you even justify that? Why is, why wouldn't, this is the movie where, like, if you, if these writers had made Top Gun, they wouldn't have just found anyone. They would have found the jet from the original Top Gun, <laughs> and Goose's blood would still be in it. And you'd be like, oh, and there's a fucking, like, Manzin Tiger who's going to be your co pilot. Like, this is that movie. Doesn't want to justify anything, just so it's to be the coolest damn thing it can be in every single moment. And it um, teaches practical lessons, like don't leave all your gunpowder and explosions in your castle because a motorcycle <laughs> might fly through the fucking window. Yeah, right. <laughs> so and good. don't be a colonialist. <laughs> Genuinely, every single moment, even when, when he is like trying to find his friend in the prison and he's like crawling around and he's like pounding on the dirt and I'm like, why is he doing this? And then you find out why and I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Of course that's what you would do right now. Um, yeah, it's just incredible. You should watch RRR. Um, no matter how you you do you watch it. This film was this film was gonna knock out Elvis and my number nine because I loved it so much. Like that and Glass Onion were gonna do it. So it's a fucking amazing film. Cool, That's Corinne, ten. number ten. By the way, I'm loving the subs versus dubs conversation. Very otaku. <laughs> <laughs> So my number 10, uh, to give you guys a little peek at my number one, my number 10 bookends really well with it. They are both very unique, very clever takes on classic works, and they're both musicals. So this is my number 10. On a bitter, cold Christmas Eve, one dark soul is selected for redemption by the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and yet to come. A tradition that continues to this very night. Like a Christmas carol? Yes, yes. If you would just let me get this out, sit. So out of all the people on the planet, murderers, people who do gender reveal parties, I'm the guy you're going to haunt. You know what? Forget it. I told you, the guy is a level 20 pain in the dickens. Come on, I can take this guy. I'm your ghost of Christmas present. La 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 la, I'm not watching your dramatic re-encrapment. Hey, I'm haunting you. You can't just run away from me when I'm haunting you. Hello? I believe he can be a positive force for mankind. And he's got his hands all over everything. Yeah, I wish. Maude, are you texting HR? No. People don't change. We got a runner! That's just fun to watch. I'm here to change him to being a more positive force for humanity. <laughs> Clint. <laughs> Clint. <laughs> yeah. Do you Photoshop yourself into these pictures of my executive VP? I don't think so. Oh, you want that. What I want is for you to shut up and let me do my job. Is there a ghost of Christmas, Grumpy? Because you could do that job. <laughs> where real change begins. Oh, oh, that's, oh, he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Oh, that... No, no, he's fine. He's good. Well, he's, well not a squirrely. squirrely anyway. Oh. 
So my number 10 is Spirited, which is an Apple TV movie, Christmas movie starring Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. And that's all I knew going into it. Um, I was pleasantly surprised, probably because I didn't have a lot of expectations, but found out very quickly, oh, this is like a Christmas Carol adaptation. Oh, this is a musical. Oh, that's interesting. And then it just kind of took me on a ride. And I was pleasantly surprised to find out like, yes, it is a Christmas Carol adaptation, but not in the way you think. Because in this world, a Christmas Carol really happened. And then from there, each year, the ghosts haunt a new person. So it's all the way up to the modern day and, you know, the whole Scrooge thing like really happened. And there's like a fun twist about halfway through that I don't want to spoil for you, but it kind of changes the whole way you look at the movie from there on. And like I said, it's a musical. It was a ton of fun, just had like really good energy and a lot of fun dance numbers. And the opening and closing song got stuck in my head for two weeks. So admittedly, it's a little bit of recency bias because I just watched this right before Christmas and um, if you ask me like six months from now, would this still be my number 10? Probably not, but it was just a lot of fun and I highly recommend everybody check it out. Spirited on Apple TV. Has anyone else seen it? Not nope. yet, no. Um, but sorry, we can't contribute. I, I'm sorry. I, you guys, I saw it listed on, on there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry you don't have Apple TV to watch Ted Lasso like I do. Yeah. Yeah. I won't have it until Ted Lasso comes back. So, <laughs> okay. Then you can check it out maybe next Christmas. Yay! <laughs> Brad, you're number 10. All right. My number 10, I really struggle with putting on my list because it is uh, an, not a movie that I fully agree with at times, but uh, it is a pretty ambitious movie, and it accomplishes a lot for its budget, and uh, it's really only on the list because I just had a fun experience watching it. Our revels now are ended. And these, our actors, as I foretold you, are spirits and are melted into air, into thin air. And like the baseless fabric of this vision, the cloud-capped mountains, the solemn temples, the glorious palaces, the great globe itself, yea, all which it inherits shall dissolve. Those scat-covered snowflakes are caught in the shit store! I found a cure for opioid addiction. What I didn't realize is that the opioid addiction is a $50 billion industry enriching the elites. There I was, my life's work stolen from me, betrayed by my own sister, shunned from society. All these years I've been planning my revenge against Avon Bard and all the world. I had Ariel infiltrate their boat and using gallons, gallons of whale laxative, lured them to their doom. Mankind is a brave new world that has such people in. Yes, I reckon it. Time's up and welcome to your final reckoning. <laughs> We are such stuff as dreams are made of, and our little life is rounded with a sleep. 
Yeah, so my number 10 is hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman's recent uh, directorial effort uh, for Troma. And uh, yeah, this slot probably should have been reserved for something like, I don't know, Everything Everywhere All at Once (laughs) or The Banshees of Into Sharon. But uh, I, you know, part of my list is uh, not just the quality of the films and the films themselves, but also just experiences that I have in movie going throughout the year. And. Uh, my friends were involved in bringing this to Denver for its premiere. We saw it at the SC Film Center back in September. Yep. And um, it was a blast. You know, there was a Q&A. Lloyd Kaufman was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was just a, a fun time. Uh, the movie itself is kind of what you'd expect out of a Tromo movie, except that, you know, I, I imagine on a small budget, uh, like I imagine it has yeah, a pretty small budget, but what they accomplished um, with what I imagine was a small amount of money it's kind of like a lot. <laughs> it's, a, it's an opus in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Shakespeare stuff is actually pretty smartly written, mm-hmm. but all the crude stuff is just like, <laughs> I don't know. You could mention anything. It's probably in this movie. Just think of something crude, and it's somewhere in the background of this movie. Horse Go, fucking. Yeah, there's probably horse fucking uh, <laughs> uh, in the background uh, at some point. Uh, it felt like a three-hour movie, uh, but I think it was only like, Maybe 150, 145, Zach? I think 145. Max. Yeah. So I, I think it's on the longer side for most trauma films. It is. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's, it's cramming a lot of ideas in there. And I, and I told um, Bynes after we saw it um, when we were helping out the trauma booth. And it, it's very much Lloyd Kaufman's Ernst Lubitsch movie. Like if that's what he wanted to lift off of something that inspired him all those years ago in that Yale film society that he made his Ernst Lubitsch movie with this one, because it has a lot to say about a current condition. And I don't always agree with everything that's in that movie too, but he, he goes right for the gut punch he wants to do and he succeeds at it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a smorgasbord of just anything topical is just crammed in this movie. Mm-hmm. And um, the Shakespeare stuff is very intelligently put in there. Yeah. It's pretty creative. Um, so yeah, again, uh, not like a high quality thing. <laughs> with like whales shitting on everybody. Um, but uh, like just, again, the experience of it, it's one of my favorite times going to the theater this year. So that's my number 10. Yep. Zach, number 10. All right. Um, or my number nine, you mean? Nine. Uh, my number nine. Uh, call signs, guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, chatterbox. <laughs> my number nine is a uh, uh, the first in a series of films that kicked off this year, and I wasn't expecting this to be a series. And this first entry is great, even though its second entry surpasses it. Here it is. Farmer's daughter, take one. I need to be famous, Wayne. All the best people are. There ain't nobody else out there like you. You know why? Why? Because you got that X factor. Our days of struggling may soon be over. Hollywood, here we come. So this is it. Our own studio backlog. I'm looking for a place to stay. Oh, yes, sir. That's one ugly song, bitch. And my wife, Pearl, is next door. 
So I would appreciate a little discretion. He don't know what we're doing, does he? Well, it's better to beg for forgiveness and ask for permission. Would you like to come inside? What's the boss? I want to be in the movie. Well, you can't. The story can't just change midway through. If Daddy catches us, there's no telling what he might do. My wife is not well. It happens after dark. Inside. What do you think is on it? I see one goddamn fucked up horror picture. So, yeah, my number nine is X, uh, Ty West's first outing of 2022. Um, I didn't have much of an expectation, um, apart from the fact that Ty West has impressed me with every film he's made in the horror genre. Um, I'm, I find myself on the few defenders of the sacrament, the film he did with Gene Jones from no country for old men. I guess people don't understand how that is the best found footage horror movie ever made. Um, but, uh, X ended up being a surprisingly, uh, brilliant, uh, well-calculated and incredibly deep slasher film. Uh, and if it weren't for another film this year by the same director, it would be it would qualify as among that top five. But uh, the ideas that are set up here for what's to come down the line are fantastic. Mia Goth is on my short list, if not the list for the best actress of the year for the the, the role of Pearl specifically. Uh, and she's just wonderful in both Pearl and, uh, uh, and the younger role that she's inhabiting. Uh, and, and everybody's just playing into that 70s slasher camp movie. Um, it's got a Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibe. Ty West allows certain scenes to breathe like he would have with House of the Devil, but he also cranks up the energy a little bit in places. Um, yeah, and if anybody hasn't seen it out there, uh, I, I don't want to spoil anything. I want you guys to go in clean for that and then the the prequel that follows. So. Uh, yeah, my number nine is X. I just laugh because Corinne's over here. Everything you're explaining, she's just shaking her head like, no. It's, it, she'll never see it. No. I know she'll never see it. I know no. she'll never see it. It's very well made. And actually, I, I do love the... I love the cinematography. Yeah, And, and I love the way it, it flows in and out of that idea of the X. Like the, the video, the home video market is what they're aiming for. And the idea of art art versus like, dude, you're making a fucking porno. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but um, so yeah, the, it it's it's got a lot of fun stuff shaking around oh, in it you. that I think is good. But again, th- there's an even better version of this movie that came out this year. So, um, so yeah, number nine is X. 
Uh, my number nine is every year this actor finds his way on my list because every year I feel like I'm surprised by what he does. Uh, he's often written off as being sophomoric and his humor is stupid. But after seeing this film and several of his other films, and when I listen to him in interviews, he's probably smarter than everybody else in the room. Uh, this is my number nine film. Taking me to see basketball or bare knuckle boxing. We do everything. <laughs> I'm Stanley Sugarman. I'm a scout for the 76ers. So you're 22 years old because you can't be in the draft if you're over 22. Yes, I'm 22 years old. Who's this? It's my son. How old is he? He's 10 years old. Okay. Okay. This Philly thing. There's room to grow there. I want to coach someday. Do you love being away from home all the time? Best chance to win in here is with you out there. What the hell am I still chasing this for? So you're just going to give up on your journey? Been in this league for 30 years, and it's like I'm nothing. Look at this guy. Do you come to Philly? Your whole world's going to change overnight. I got to work. My mom and my daughter, they mean everything to me. Salary's $900,000. He will call in sick. In all the years I've been doing this, have I ever reacted this way? He's raw. We train him, get him in NBA shape. What do you say? It's not going to happen, Stan. You just got to get back out there. You know, I haven't been home on my daughter's birthday for nine years running. I'm not asking. The Sixers don't know you stashed her. Being the guy who finds the guy matters in this business. Moltens fire you for this. I just want to make sure I do what's right for the kid. He's got a daughter to support. You got a daughter to support. Where are you from? Spain. Sounds weird. You think you can stop me? Welcome to America. That wasn't him. That wasn't even close to him. I fly home tomorrow. Is that what you want to do? Hey, you love this game. I love this game. I live this game. Let's get to work. The draft is in six weeks. If we're gonna do this, we gotta do it ourselves. No doubt about it, that kid's got it. Do you need a hand up? You don't need nobody's help. We need a spark. This is all for you, pal. It's for us. Okay, it's for us. My number nine film is Hustle, starring Adam Sandler as a scout named Stanley Sugarman, who is a scout for the 76ers, and his territory, I guess, is Europe. And all he wants to do is get out of that and be an assistant coach for the Philadelphia 76ers. And the owner of the 76ers is played by Robert Duvall, and he finally gets uh, the office, and he gets an assistant coach. Um, but Robert Duvall his character dies and his son takes over and makes him a scout again. And he doesn't want to do it. But while he's scouting in Europe, he finds a basketball player played by former nugget, uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez named Bo Cruz. And he's, uh, raw and he finds him on like a backstreet, street game, I don't know what you'd call it, street game basketball, and he's dominating, 
And so the whole film is not only um, Sugarman trying to settle down and um, hang out with his kid and his family, but also prove the 76ers wrong with the guy he found because they want to draft another kid who they think is going to be the best player of all time. And uh, it's a really cool dynamic. It's a sports movie, so there's lots of inspirational things in there. Uh, but it's peppered with a story about a man who's trying to make his life better for his family uh, by getting into the NBA and a man trying to make things better for his family by finally settling down in America and being a basketball coach, what he's always wanted to be. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. You should definitely check it out. It's on Netflix, and it's one of those quiet movies of Adam Sandler's that he just impresses me more and more with, where he kind of just is dramatic and funny at the same time. Is this rain over me, Adam Sandler territory? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Head on. Down for that. I mean, it's not like uncut gems where you feel like you're like on edge all the time and he makes horrible decisions. Oh, oh you mean like a panic attack? <laughs> like yeah. a, a walking panic attack? But he's so good in this film. Uh, and I, I hope one day he gets the recognition he deserves. Uncut uh, gems too. <laughs> he comes Ho- back. Hopefully in Grown Ups 3, he'll finally get what he needs. Oh, dude, that's going to that's gonna change the foundation of cinema. Haven't you heard? <laughs> yeah. uh, so Hustle, that's my number nine. James, you're number nine. Uh yeah, so my number nine is um, it's really on this moot list for 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 two reasons. One is is the experience of seeing it in the theater. Uh, it was it you know there's some story there. Um, but I think the biggest reason this this movie is on my list is um because it got uh it got made. Uh, yeah, it actually got made. Here's my number nine. Hey kid, a little young for a bartender, aren't you? A little old for prom, aren't you? Everything in here. Why the map? It's the biggest treasure that's never been found. Five billion easy. But it's just a story. I beg to differ. Five hundred years ago, my family found the world's biggest fortune. Then was betrayed. People have been searching for it all in vain. Both you turn your keys clockwise at the same time. Thanks a lot. You almost got me killed. Clockwise, Sully. Well, it was 50-50, so I made a guess. Clearly. But the voyage was not just about gold. It was something much more valuable. This girl has a very tragic history. So much blood. I'm pretty sure he just threatened to kill me. Oh, this is gonna suck! Don't get caught. You were just gonna leave me back there. Somebody had to get the cross. Your brother believed that there was a final piece. Well, you know my brother said? You have no idea who you partnered with. What else aren't you telling me? The victor spoils. How are they gonna get them out of here?
Hey, put them down, boys. <laughs> what is that thing on your face? Yeah, puberty's right around the corner, kid. You can grow your own. Exclusively in movie theaters. Cool. Uh, yeah, so my number nine is Uncharted, which is not an amazing movie. Like, I have problems with it. But it's a lot of fun. Um, and it's the best after the, the, the history this movie's had, it's probably the best version of this we were ever going to get. Um, and is good enough that I would genuinely be excited for a sequel. Like, I think Marky Mark as Victor Goddamn Sullivan is, is potentially good in the next movie. Um, and it, it's, it's a movie that feels like, because it was in production hell for so long, like they took 17 different versions of scripts and like slammed them all together. And it's why like the plot doesn't make sense and there's too many villains and there's just dumb shit. Right. Um, but I think, I think Tom Holland is great. I think the way they made Nathan Drake was great. Like, yeah, I'm excited. It it was fun because my parents came out uh, and visited and we got to see it all together in theaters. Um, and you don't get a lot of adventure movies, right? Like, so, uh, yeah, it, it got its place on the list. It honestly probably would have been my ringer. Um, but then I, I had I had RRR, so I had to bump it up a little bit so that RRR could be the ringer. I'm You're welcome, I'm sure Ryan. you can go um, back to the history of this podcast where we talk about different iterations of this film I, I throughout don't, our journey in this podcast. I don't want to bring up a sore subject for James, but do you guys remember who oh, yeah. was supposed to helm this fucking movie 10 years ago? David O. Russell? <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say, I would rather watch this movie than the trailer for Amsterdam anytime. Yeah, oh, of course. <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> that, and I mean, Tom Holland's so awesome. And this, mov- this movie was filmed. Because I've, I mean, because I'm not going to. Oh, sorry. You have this weird, like, cut out there. Go ahead, James. Oh, no, you're good. I was just going to agree. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. Go ahead. So, no, like, Tom Holland filmed this movie. And then the next day he was on Spider-Man No Way Home. That's how long this movie waited to come out. That they filmed all of Spider-Man No Way Home and released it before this film came out. <laughs> yeah. It's just insane. Just saying. That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. But no, it's good. Go Tom Holland. Take your time off. You deserve it. Yeah. People should see an Uncharted movie and then they should make another one and people should see that one too. Corinne, number nine. So my number nine is a documentary about the biggest night of a very big man's life. This is like birthday, Christmas, the World Series. I'm losing my virginity all at the same time. The biggest thing I've ever done will be tonight. My dog loves me so much, he cannot control his own bodily functions. When I would go home, I would immediately pick him up before anything, and then my girlfriend would get mad. How come you don't come to me first? Because the dog loves me more. How do you know I don't love you more? I said, I don't see a puddle. Mira, dry. I once was vegan. I know somebody's like, no. Yeah. I was vegan for a little under a year. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking you weren't even vegan then if it was less than a year. Anyone who has gone on a diet knows how hard it is to change your eating habits for one week, much less a year. You're going to lose weight. And they were not lying. I lost weight, patience, and friends. I'm just here to let you know, I'm back. So my number nine is Stadium Fluffy, which is the latest stand-up special from comedian Gabriel Iglesias. And 
Um, I downloaded this on my drive home in November and listened to it. It was a ton of fun. And then like one day, um, maybe it was like early December, we had this huge snowstorm here in, in Denver and I had to go out and shovel and I was just in the foulest mood. And I downloaded this again and listened to it while I was out shoveling for probably an hour and a half. And um, it just made my day a little bit better. And I've been following Gabriel's career on and off for, I'd say, about 10 years. And I've just really always enjoyed his stuff as, as a comedian and the stories he tells and the charisma he has. And this is probably his most serious and most mature special yet because he deals with a lot of very serious subject matter. He talks about COVID and like his, that impact on his career and his personal life. And he talks about Frankie and um, I guess mild spoilers for a comedy special, but uh, Frankie, his son, um, we've heard various stories about Frankie growing up over the years. And in this special, Gabriel tells one last story about Frankie. And then he says that um, he and his son had a conversation and Frankie doesn't want him talking about his, him and his specials anymore. And going back and listening to some of Gabriel's old material, you can kind of understand why Frankie says that. But it's weird because you've, you've kind of heard about this kid growing up over the years. And um, again, I don't want to spoil too much, even though it is a comedy special. But there's a bit where Gabriel's talking about country music. And just the lead up to that is very emotional. So, yeah. It, and as he says, it's the biggest night of his life. Not even his career, his whole life. Um, because he sold out Dodgers Stadium in his hometown of L.A. So this is a very big night for him as a person. Um, so yeah, I, if you like comedy at all, I'd recommend you check it out. Stadium Fluffy, it's on Netflix. And that's my number nine. Very nice. I do like Gabriel Iglesias. He is funny. The biggest fluffy yet. <laughs> Brad, number nine. All right, my number nine, much like my number 10, is a movie that I don't love enough. To, like it shouldn't be on its own in my number nine slot. But uh, again, it's another experience that I had uh, in movie going that I really enjoyed, which put it over the top. So here, here's my number nine. That's how we did it in the 90s, son. I can't catch my breath, man. Really? Should I try mouth stuff? What is this, a Tinder date? Get off of me. Uh, oh, shit. Mr. Dante! I need an ambulance at the quick stop. Save my life, man. Wish I had a life worth saving. What are you talking about? Sit around and watch the same movies over and over. I always thought you could have made a cool movie. You're right. I'm living on borrowed time. No more watching movies. I'm gonna make a movie! What's the movie going to be about? It's about him working here. Meta. Everything in the script is something either me or someone I know said. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Maybe Jay and Silent Bob could be characters. Jay and Silent Bob are like C-3PO and R2-D2. They've been here since the first movie, which was the last time they were cool. But they've been with the franchise so long, they still give them cameos and put them on the lunchboxes. Snoochy Booches! Please tell me why! I believe in you. Put in that stuff you used to say about the Death Star contractors. Get sued by Disney? No way. Now that's what I call <laughs> Take off your pants. 
What the hell is this? I added a scene where you get shot. I'm not letting you kill me off in the third act. What if there's a sequel? A sequel? What am I, a hack? I think it needs more weed. So yeah, my number nine is Clerks 3, um, which I, I did enjoy, but it, it does kind of, uh, I, I just get a feeling that there's a lot of compromise going on in the movie, uh, just like, just to get it done. Um, you know, the the right out of the gate, the most notable one, uh, uh, Rosario Dawson was obviously probably too busy with her other projects to commit like all her time to, uh, she's in the movie, but you know, she's killed off really quickly. Um, so that she probably doesn't have to be on set as much. Um, and then I'm sh- it feels like without the inclusion of a uh, Scott Mosier as producer, like uh, probably didn't have a lot of his input. And then um, uh, Dave Klein for DP, you know, it visually looks a little different. Um, obviously the first two movies look a lot different, but um, you know, the clerks two is like the high for me for the, cl- for the clerk series. And this is definitely my third favorite one. Um, I think it's still still very funny. Uh, I, I think a lot of there's a lot of cameos from like Kevin Smith just trying to put everyone in the movie. Uh, so sometimes it feels like there's a lot of, like the whole um, you know where Randall's in the hospital. If you've followed his podcast, you've heard you know his heart attack story over and over again. So you're just kind of watching the stuff you've heard constantly play out, and it feels like it didn't need to take up what felt like a sixth of the movie just for that. Um, so just creatively, it just felt like a lot of, uh, sloppiness and compromise, but, uh, I think everyone's putting in their best performances, um, mm-hmm. to date, you know, I, again, the performances in clerks two are great. So it's like, it's up there, but, um, the only thing it's missing to my mind, like with the visual spectrum is it needs to look as grungy as those first two movies. Like it, it it's missing. I, I agree with the visual spectrum. Yeah, It just feels like a modern digital low budget movie. Yeah. Which is a little disappointing but it's not i mean it's not terrible no, it's, it's, no. just, it's yeah it's just it's off you know um so yeah uh but like i said it's on the list because i got to go see it at the uh, paramount theater kevin smith was in attendance the crowd was great mm-hmm. i enjoyed it the second that was the second time i saw it um and you know the, the crowd experience is great and the q a and all that and that was just a a blast so um yeah that's why it's another uh I'll ranked a lot of stuff on my list. So, uh, yeah, that's my number nine, Clerks 3. It is a good one. Yeah. Zach, number eight. All right. I know my number eight and probably my number seven are going to get me kicked the shit out of, which is good that I'm leaving early. Um, (laughs) uh, My number eight was always going to be on the list. Um, But um, you okay, buddy? Okay. Uh, My number eight was always going to be. just getting an axe. Yeah. my number eight was always going to be on the list. Um, <clears throat> I think I had to to process a lot of this film for a, several different reasons, both personal and just as a film goer. But it is hands down one of the most exhilarating experiences I had in a movie theater with my friends this year. And here it is.
fear is a tool. But when that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning. Just mean mug him the whole time, James. Go ahead. Um, I'm astounded. I know. Um, my number eight is the Batman. Um, I came to a realization this year that I don't, no matter how good a Batman movie is, at the end of the day, I still have incredible anxiety over 10 years later of walking into a Batman movie in a theater, period, no matter how many times I end up going back to see it. Um, this one, though, was the most positive experience I've had. <laughs> Hands down. Oh. For those of you listening at home, uh, through the internet, James is posting a mean mugging uh, image of Paddington at Zach as he does his review. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's... No, I, I actually really agree with you, Brent, uh, Zach. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. the but what made this experience different was Brian and Brad alerted me to the fan screening. Was it fan preview, whatever the, I don't know what it's called. DC sneak peek. Um, and, uh, my girlfriend couldn't come with me. So she gave me, uh, some good luck charms to wear on my lapel and around my wrist. Uh, I walked in, I felt a little uneasy in the first 15, 20 minutes. And then I started settling in for the next two hours and 45 minutes in an IMAX theater with, two of my closest friends over the last seven to eight years feeling very comfortable watching a very good fucking Batman movie. That is so fucking cool. Uh, and that alone puts it in the top 10 of any year period. Um, putting aside personal experience though, um, I, uh, 
I thought that there's gutsy stuff that they pull off in the third act that I didn't think they would try to touch with a 10 foot pole. Uh, I think they succeed at it. Um, and, uh, additionally Pattinson just kicks ass as this character. Uh, I think, I, I think again, if, it, if for a different world for me, I would put this higher on my list cause I did love it so much. I saw it twice. I took m my girlfriend to see it literally like about three days after I saw it for the first time. And, uh, it's it's just that powerful a Batman experience. Um, it's not to throw shade at Ben Affleck, but Pattinson kicks ass in this role, and I really liked him in it. Um, so yeah, my number eight's the Batman. It it probably will get higher in my mind over time, but I I just have to process these things. That's just me. So no, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. Uh, my number eight uh, is my was surprising for me. Only because I love this story so much. And one version of this story really disappointed me. And another version of this story really enchanted me. Um, this is my number eight. I want to tell you a story. It's a story you may think you know, but <laughs> you don't. Over there! What is that? Papa! <gasps> He's just a puppet! No, I'm not! I'm a real boy! People are sometimes afraid of things they don't know. I don't understand! Ah! We have found him! Our star! Everyone shall love you and call your name Pinocchio! Pinocchio! <laughs> I have something I'd like to give you. It is a school book which belonged to a very special boy. The boy you lost? Papa! Enough of this nonsense. Hey, where are you going? You tell him I love him. And I won't be a burden anymore. The wooden boy with the borrowed soul. While you may have eternal life, your loved ones, they do not. You never know how long you have with someone until they're gone. The boy loves you for who you are. Guide him to be good. Such a wonderful gift. Uh, my number eight is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Uh, the Disney Plus version really broke my heart. Um, it's not a bad film. I love the character design in it, but it had a lot of unnecessary stuff in it, like Seagull that eats trash and stuff that's not necessary. And this version was, although maybe 
a little darker. Um, but I love the idea of it playing on um, fascism and setting it in a world of uh, World War II and what people believe from a dictator and what it actually means to be a real boy. And I know that's an overarching theme. Um, you know, even the opening is heartbreaking of how he lost his little boy. And I, I don't know if because I became a dad. I mean, I've always loved Pinocchio. Pinocchio is my favorite animated film of all time. But when you become a dad and you see the innocence in your child and then it's conveyed in an animated film or in this case, a stop motion animated film, it's it's magical. And um, this film has so much energy to it. The character design is cool. Netflix actually put an extra on their uh, streaming service where they show you how they made the film, which is absolutely incredible. Um, and it also has Kate Blanchett in it, who plays the monkey. <laughs> and uh, Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. No, I think she's only the monkey. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's really fun. And it takes it in a different way where Pinocchio has to learn the meaning of life because he dies and he at, towards the end when he's, you know, hanging out with uh, the people in death world. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, he learns the value of what it's like to be alive and what it means to be alive. And sometimes passion projects don't work out the right way. And this one definitely did. And it's a beautiful film. And uh, I, I've seen it three times because Kellen's wanted to watch it that many times. So, uh, yeah, check out Pinocchio on Netflix. Really good pick. Ho hopefully coming to Criterion soon. I don't know. <laughs> uh, James, number eight. Oh, right. Um, cool. So my number eight was a movie that when it first came, when it first released, I thought, well, basically, no matter what, this is going to be my ringer. Like this is this is made to be a ringer. Um, and then I started watching it and. Not only was I laughing a lot, but I was like, dude, this is like super good. And now what I'm aware of is this movie's so good, it's a sweeper now. So my apologies, but here's my number eight. Put it in. I'm tired of people thinking I'm some kind of joke. Your dad and I agreed it will be best if you just stop being who you are and doing the things you love. My whole life. All I wanted. I'm afraid we found your son at a polka party. Just to make up new words to a song that already exists. Oh. Well, you should do that then. Who my little hungry one? Hungry one. Open up a package of my banana. Dude, I've got chills. Every once in a great while, I can spot a talent that I know is the future of music. But first, we gotta find you a stage name. Al Yankovic. It's long, it's hard to pronounce. So I'm just gonna throw this out there. Weird Al Yankovic. I love it. Taken the world by storm. Do I know you? Madonna, I was wondering if you were going to do a parody of my song. 
Like a virgin. I'm curious, is that song autobiographical? Yes. <laughs> Except for the fact that I've had a lot of sex. Maybe one creative genius that doesn't have a checkered past involving alcohol. That's the medicine. And drugs. I think Madonna's a bad influence on you. What? No offense. I'm a train wreck. My parents wrote me off. I pushed away my band. You're all just a bunch of normals. I'm the weird one. You gotta take care of yourself. I saw in you something special. An artist with something to give to the world. In front of all the billions of people watching around the world right now, all I want to say is be as weird as you want to be. Yeah! You will never find true happiness yeah! until you can truly accept who you are. Thank you. Al, you can't smoke in here. <laughs> I totally deserve that. Uh, yeah, so like I said, uh, this was one that, you know, for a funnier die sketch to basically be like just expanded into a movie, I was like, well... Yeah, it's great. Like, it'll be really fun. And then the trailer came out, and I was like, this looks really good. Like, I, honestly, the only knock I have against this movie is that I had to, like, install the Roku channel properly. <laughs> on um, and on my phone and on my laptop because, you know, I anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, really funny. Like, it's amazing how well they were able to stretch that out and actually have it be, you know, continue to be fun. Um, the cameos are great. Like, it's another one where you're just you're just having a really good time, um, and then of course it got Weird Al stuck in my head, and now uh, even my kids have started like listening to and singing Weird Al every now and then. Every time I put Huck in his Yoda PJs, he starts singing Yoda, um, which then gets stuck in my head for a few days. So uh, no, it's been great. It was it was actually a really fun resurgence. Um, I ordered. Oh, it hasn't arrived yet. Spoilers for my brother. I ordered my brother the that the book that just came out right before Christmas. Uh, for Christmas, like it's just been a good Weird Al Yankovic year. So, really good movie. I'll talk about it later, but you can also go on to realnerdspodcast.com and see that it's number one hundred and forty-eight or nine of my one hundred and fifty favorite films of all time. Just because I love how s silly it is, and there's an art to delivering stupid dialogue completely serious. And Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al is amazing. I honestly, I should have made it a lot higher just for our history, because anybody who's listened for a long time probably knows that um, what we figured out at some point is that we were actually at the same Weird Al Yankovic concert. Uh, I don't know, twelve years or something, ten years before we ever actually met. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just I love Weird Al. Heck so. yeah. Corinne, number eight. Okay, I anticipate my number eight is going to be another sweeper. I apologize in advance. Okay, what but... What's going on this, <laughs> this today? Just okay, a reminder. I'm going to go offline. Last year, my number eight won the Best Picture at the Oscars, so hopefully that repeats again. But also, I wouldn't say this was one of my favorite films of the year, but it had some of my favorite moments and definitely my favorite line of the year. So this is my number eight. This is Wang. This is Wang. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. 
Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. I'm so tired to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all of their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you. Be your only chance of stopping it. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you. Wow, I'm really good. He's waiting in the wings. The universe. He speaks of senseless things. Is so much bigger than you and me. Than you realize. Of all the places I could be, I just want to be here with you. Remember our mission concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse. There's no way I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Every rejection, every disappointment has led you here to this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it. So my number eight is everything everywhere all at once. And I mean, there's just so much that can be said about this movie. And I know you guys will talk a lot about it more later. But um, for those listening at home, I I recommend you go check out. There's a YouTube video essay by uh, the channel is called Accented Cinema. And they dive into a lot of the symbolism behind like the googly eye and the bagel and everything. And also they touch on um, some of the different like little things that if you were a native Mandarin speaker, you would pick up on in this movie. And one of them, which is my favorite line of the year, is um, when Evelyn is in the, the universe where she's like the movie star and she reunites with her, you know, her husband in this other universe. And, you know, like they were going to go to America, but then she became a movie star and she didn't go with him or, you know, anything. And... Um, and then he says to her, in another life, I would have loved doing laundry and taxes with you. And I guess in Mandarin, it, translate better, it translates better as in the next life, because it uh, plays into this idea of reincarnation, which, again, if you were a native Mandarin speaker, I guess you would pick up on that a lot better. But um, this film is amazing. What an achievement for everyone involved. I really hope this just like cleans up at all, you know, throughout the award season. And uh, yeah, 
it's a beautiful movie and I'm sure you guys will talk about it more later. One other quick thing I want to share is just very randomly when I was home for Christmas, I noticed that my mom has these rocks by her door and they have googly eyes on them. And she's had those for years, but it just like all of a sudden struck me like just because of the mother-daughter dynamic in the movie, what the rocks mean, what the googly eyes mean, and the fact that like my mom just randomly has rocks with googly eyes on them. I don't think it's random. I think your mom has a portal to the multiverse. <laughs> so you should just go touch it and see what happens. She's had them for years. So, I mean, it's just weird. I was like, when, how, how long have you had those? And she's like, oh yeah, years. And it's like, wow, I just, I guess I've never noticed until now that it kind of means something to me, but... Um, yeah, my number eight, everything, everywhere, all at once. Brad, mm. your number eight. Uh, my number eight is actually a highly acclaimed movie from last year. Oh, sometimes I get a good feeling, yeah. Yeah, I get a feeling that I never, 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 never had before. You're the girl with the deaf family? Yeah. yeah. And you sing. Interesting. Something's got a hold on me here. What are you doing next year? Working with my family. Let me tell you now, I've got a feeling I feel so strange. Everything about me seems to have changed. I've been coaching for Berkeley College of Music. I can help you get a scholarship. to say you will be required to have a hearing individual on board at all times I can't stay with you for the rest of my life Never done anything without my family before. All that I need to get Yeah, so my number eight is Coda. Speaking which, of my number eight, who that won Best Picture last year. <laughs> yeah, I saw this in the theater on April 4th of this year. So thanks to its Oscar run, it was re-released at the Mayan. And, uh, or no, the Esquire. And uh, yeah, I got a chance to see it. And I, I love the hell out of it. Um, you know, it was a lot of insight into uh, a community that I have very little experience with. Um, and watching their struggles um, play out. Um, and then, you know, it revolves around this girl who just has this dream she wants to do. And her, in a way, her family is selfishly holding her back. 
um, because she's the one who communicates for them and makes their lives a little bit easier because of that. But again, she has to live her own life. Um, and so there's a lot of like how to balance, make that balance happen. Um, and yeah, I, I enjoy, enjoy it so much. I, 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 you know, I struggle with, do I want to put a movie from last year on this year and keep other good movies out of that spot? And I just couldn't get past that. You know, I, I just, it was perspective. Like I just enjoyed learning about so much. So yeah, my number eight is Coda. Zach, number seven. My number seven is going to get the shit kicked out of me. What do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, AKA Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage expectations. What the hell? Good morning, aviators. This is your captain speaking. And we're off. Here we go. In three, two, one. We're going into combat on a level no living pilot's ever seen. Not even him. You think up there you're dead. Believe me. My dad believed in you. I'm not gonna make the same mistake. Someone's not coming back from this. Those are your pilots. Anything happens to them. You'll never forgive yourself. No turning back now. Having any fun yet? <laughs> <laughs> and Paddington is back. You know what? Whatever. You hurt Orson Welles' feelings, Paddington. I don't appreciate that. Um, <laughs> still there. Um, <laughs> you know, James has come it's a long not, way. It's not going to move until you feel bad about yourself. <laughs> I, I, I do for a couple of reasons. Um, I did not get to see this on a big screen this year at all. Um, I oh, missed this in the theater. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, there was probably going to be a world where I didn't even see this on time. Were it not for my girlfriend's dad who played it for us after Thanksgiving dinner. Um, bless his heart because uh, he loves the movie so much um, that I got to experience it with um, my girlfriend and her dad. It was a it was a fun experience on that front. Um, as far as the 
power of it. I think one of the reasons I had to put it this low was because I, unfortunately, because I didn't see it in a movie theater, I felt like I was missing out on some part of the experience that I'm sure would have made it shoot right up there. Um, And I know that's just me. Um, But it's incredible to watch a sequel to a movie that I find to be fine and acceptable and a lot of fun to run to at the gym uh, to be this incredibly to be this incredibly honed in as a sequel (laughs) while standing on its own two feet as its own wonderful piece of art uh this film is like i want to say like 70 percent of it is told through visual acumen alone the story itself is also compelling but it's just it's a visual feast for the eyes i i am shocked at some of the stuff they pulled off visually in this film from effects to just those stunts it's it's a sight to see uh and val kilmer made me cry um a lot so uh, yeah it needed yeah, to be you on made the list. val it kilmer was... cry <laughs> uh there are there are movies that affected me more for emotional reasons uh than top gun but top gun hits at i think the core of any human being i think the fact that it's on this list which is I think that's a fact that it's going to be on a lot of our lists is a testament to how powerful a movie it was, regardless of how you saw it. So, so yeah, my number seven is Top Gun Maverick. And moving along. Mm-hmm. Um, so I normally don't like these type of films that I have at number seven, but this film is so brilliantly acted and there is this propulsion throughout it. And you just see this character be the worst person ever and a piece of crap, but you're supposed to respect them. But the more you know of them and the power that they have, you realize that they're very toxic. So this is your you your biography movie? You with the wind on yeah. your list, Ryan. <laughs> this, this, this is uh, Ryan, the life story. No, this is my number seven. You want to dance the mask, you must service the composer. If you're here, then you already know who she is. Lydia Tarr is many things. As a conductor, Tarr began her career with the Cleveland Orchestra, Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Boston Symphony Orchestra, until she had last arrived here at our own New York Philharmonic. In 2013, Berlin elected Tarr as its principal conductor, and she's remained there ever since. Lydia Tarr has also written music for the stage and screen. She is one of only 15 EGOTs, meaning those who have won all four major entertainment awards. Thank you for joining us, Maestro. Thank you. How's the writing going? Not so well. I keep hearing something. Schopenhauer measured a man's intelligence against his sensitivity to noise. Do you ever find yourself overwhelmed by emotion? Yes. Yes, it does happen. Problem. I received another weird email. 
there's no reason to get caught up in any intrigue. I'm worried. She's starting to disappear into herself. You want to dance the mask? You must service the composer. You've got to sublimate yourself. Your ego and, yes, your identity. You must, in fact, stand in front of the public and God and obliterate yourself. Number seven is Tar that stars Kate Blanchett, who is already incredible. And this film, uh, Corinne mentioned it in the trailer that it's kind of has a horror vibe to it. And it's really not a horror film because um, it, it's the trailer sells it as she's losing her mind, kind of. But in this film, she's actually very in control. She's very predatory. She's not a good person. Um, she has this facade of being better than everybody else as she's trying to do put on a performance for this last symphony she wants to do to complete uh, whatever she's doing. Um, her career, I guess. Yeah, like it's a, the, the cherry on top of her career. And the way she belittles people uh, is really fascinating. And it's two hours and 45 minutes long. But it moves quickly because the acting is so great in it. And she just commands the screen. And the film is interesting because you, you like her at the beginning when they do that kind of TED talk with her. Uh, where she's explaining why she loves music and how she became so famous. Uh, but then as you get into her personal life and see what she does, she's not a good person. And, and all the toxic stuff she does to maintain that power. Oh, yeah. And not only, not only her, but also the world that she's in allows these predators and these people to be in there. Uh, but she might be the biggest offender of them all. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't seen Tar, definitely see it. It's it'll uh, it'll blow your mind. I'm curious about it. Matt Martin Scorsese had a lot of high praise things to say about it. He, this was a weird statement. He said he said. It made him believe in cinema again, which I'm just like, okay, that's a strong oh, yeah. statement. I mean, there's the way it's made, the way it's shot. Is it uh, a big screen movie? Uh, you know, the only thing I would say that because it is, is just because of the music. Mm. Um, but I mean, it's a drama, so it's not like you have to rush out and see it. But I, I yeah. does it have Tom Cruise in a fighter jet stopping Lydia Tarr from being toxic? No, I wish that'd be super <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, no, Tar is my number seven. James, you're number seven. Yeah, um, cool. My number seven is a good movie. Here you go. Hey, Rick, you following what's happening in Thailand? Some kids stuck in a cave. We're on the list of rescue divers. It's just a tourist cave. It looks easy, but when it's flooded, it's impassable. It takes a certain kind of mindset for the deep cave diving. You have to be a bit nuts. They're very, very dangerous. 
high water level and a low visibility. Barely shoulder wide, pulling against very strong currents. Last seen nine days ago, 12 boys and their coach are trapped in the flooded caves. Hello? Hey, they're here. How many of you? 13. 13? They're all alive. Uh, can we go out now? You're talking about a five-hour dive. You try and dive those kids the whole way, all you'll be bringing out is dead bodies. With oxygen running low, the entire nation is anxiously waiting for what will happen next. What are you thinking? Just a crazy idea. But a skill none of the rest of us have. No. It's insane. It's unethical. It's illegal. Man's already died. Breathe. We do nothing. We'll be bringing him out dead for sure. So you are expecting casualties? Yes. I expect casualties. Johnny, okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Just give me a minute. Okay, we can make it. Cool. Um, sorry. So, uh, yeah, 13 Lives is the Ron Howard movie that tells the story of the guys who rescued the 13 kids in Thailand who were trapped in a cave uh, because of floodwaters. And I'm going to be super honest. Part of the reason that this movie is as high on the list or is even on the list for me is because I didn't know the f the full true story um, of how they got those kids out of the cave. I, I sort of knew the story that we were all told when this happened. Um, and I'm not going to spoil it here because a big part of my experience with this movie that made me love it so much is that when they reveal the real way they got those kids out of the cave, um, it it elevated the story so much. Um, so if I, I'm, you know, and I didn't, I didn't see rescue the, or the rescue, the, the documentary from last year. So I, I knew very little. I knew what I heard, you know, a couple of years ago when all this happened. So if you are like me, um, you should definitely see this movie because it is a harrowing tale. Um, the reason I bring that up is because I do think that like, is this a movie I'll return to as often as I do like rush, Probably not because I think there's less um, there's less of a character story going on yeah, here. It is rivalry. definitely more about right, <laughs> yes, and definitely less of a rivalry. There's um, what I mean is like this is very much about the events, right? Um, I think it's a it, it's an incredible movie. It's beautiful when it is beautiful. Sometimes it's just muddy and wet, um, and uh, but shot really well. I think the, the it is claustrophobic, but in a weird way, like I, I definitely wish I had been able to see this in a theater. I, this is an Amazon release. Um, the I, I think in a theater, there are two things that would have been better, but also worse. A, you wouldn't be able to escape it, um, which like this was definitely one where my wife and I intentionally paused it at times to like go get a snack and come back. Like, well, I need more popcorn and I also need this to stop for a minute. Um, 
uh, like that was kind of nice, but also I think allows you to sort of take away some of the tension in that first viewing, um, which is too bad. But I think Ron Howard did a great job. I think the performances are awesome. Um, Colin Farrell fucking killed it this year and this is one of those those uh movies for sure i think he's fantastic uh and vigo mortensen is always always good um the two of them together are so much not fun in this movie they're just like you they're they're actually the opposite of fun like they're good characters and good people but what they're doing is the least fun thing to go do um so yeah great movie if you don't know the real story you and you probably don't uh you should see this movie it's a ron howard movie with ed harris in it and the number 13 no ed harris isn't in it it looked like ed harris in the background there oh no on the trailer no, ed harris isn't oh okay yeah never mind just the 13 uh, connection <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah but no really good corinne number seven Okay, so this movie was a long time coming, and I was really excited when I went to see it. Um, and then ca- coming out of it the first time, I was like, hmm, I don't know how I feel. I need to sit on this and then see it again. And I, I got to see it the second time over Christmas with my family. And even the second time around, it still made me cry about four times in one sitting. So I felt like even though initially I wasn't like – Coming out of the first viewing, I wasn't like, oh, I don't know if I'll put it on my film explosion list. But then after the second one, I was like, I need to. So uh, this is my number seven. So my number seven is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And the trailer that we watched was the teaser trailer 
totally lied to us. Not since Rogue One have I seen a trailer lie to me so much because there were lots of women, there was lots of crying, and not everything was all right. It was just a very sad movie. Um, but it was a very compelling, very poignant, and emotional movie. And just, like I said, seeing this the second time around, cried a whole bunch. And the first time I saw it with Jerry on opening night, it was dead quiet when they did that intro with all the clips of Chadwick, except for one guy at the front who just like loudly yelled out, we love you, Chad. And I was like, oh, beautiful. So um, it's not a perfect movie. And I, I really feel like the editing and the pacing in this movie could have been better. But when you see the arc that Shuri goes on and how it reflects the arc that Chadwick, or uh, sorry, T'Challa went on in, um, like in Black Panther and in Civil War and how it kind of meshes that into one movie for Shuri. Um, and just like Angela Bassett kills it as Queen Ramonda. It's interesting to see what um, Nakia has been up to over the last six years in universe and the, the mid credit scene, like the reveal that comes later. Cause the first time I saw it, I was like, wait a minute, like Ramonda never got to finish her whole conversation about like, you need to know something about your brother. And then at the very end that came back. Um, and I love the actor who they got to play Namor. I think he's an excellent villain. I hope he gets to come back and we get to see this dynamic between Talokan and Wakanda expanded upon. So not a perfect movie, but it was a really, I don't know. It just hit right. Um, and like I said, very emotional. So my number seven is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Nice. Turtle. <laughs> uh, yeah, my number seven uh, is our first tag team review and only tag team review oh, of this Ooh, podcly really? uh, Zach or um, Chatterbox is going to join me uh, for this next film, which is a delightful animated feature. All right, so I'm making like a little documentary. Oh, it's like it's a like... movie, but nobody has any lines and nobody even knows what it is while they're making it. Mm. No. Hmm. Tell me about what's life like. It's pretty much common knowledge that it takes at least 20 shells to have a community. My cousin fell asleep in a pocket and that's why I don't like the saying everything comes out of the wash because sometimes it doesn't or sometimes it does and they're just like a completely different person. So it's actually only two of us now. Myself and my grandmother, Nana Connie. We like to watch 60 Minutes because Leslie Stahl is fearless. Nana, make the noise. Sometimes I find my mind wandering, thinking, what would my family think? Do you think they could be out there? Marcello. Forget about being afraid. Just take the adventure. Okay, let, let's do it. Hi, everybody. It's Marcel. I'm recording this video because I'm looking for my family. Marcel the Shell and the search for a family reunited. Ah. Marcel, how long has it been since you've seen your family? I couldn't tell you, but a space in my heart gets bigger and louder every day. Mm. Dean, do you know how long? That's two years. Two years? Yeah. Oh, that's nice to know.
so many places that they could be. Marcel the shell with shoes on. You are beautiful. There must be so many others like me. Got to go. Not that I don't like Arthur. Not bad. No. Oh my God. Arthur. No. No. Arthur. Ah. Yeah. So my number seven is Marcel, the shell with shoes on, and also Zach's number six. Yep. Um, my number six. Once again, I got to see this early, um, before it, uh, the the wide release, and it's just a delightful film about a, a shell who. Uh, along with its uh, his grandmother, they're separated from their family, and they just spend the rest of the movie trying to make it um, try to get an uh, appearance on national television so they, they can hopefully get attention and uh, find out where they went. Um, and yeah, it's it's great stop motion animation. The the characters are adorable. Uh, the cinematography is great. Um, just an absolute charming delight. Yeah, it was. I had no prior context to the Marcel phenomenon. My, my girlfriend knew way more about it than I did, um, so I got to walk in blank, and I was just blown over by how it seemed like. If it wasn't me laughing, it was me crying. It was just it. It, it just kept punching me in the right places. Um, uh, the 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 whole story with the grandmother and what ends up happening like a little bit halfway through the film, it, it just kind of struck me right in the, right in the heart in a way that I wasn't prepared for that night. Um, what? Um, what? and, um, uh, so yeah, it's just a fun movie. Yeah. It's beautiful. It, it really is. And the arc is one of those ones where you laugh and then you cry like a couple minutes later, you go, what is wrong with me? It's an emotional experience. It is, very know? much so. Yeah, and it's and it's it's a tight what eighty minutes. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's beautifully done. And I, you mentioned the cinematography. I think the cinematography and it's stunning. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely stunning. And the stop motion. It's, this is from the fucking guys who did Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yep. <laughs> Jesus. Kyoto Brothers. Like they're yeah. so creative with the miniature world, and then yeah, capturing that. Um, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, there's and like so so much detail to. Just the simplest things. I didn't put the I didn't put the the dots together, but I just realized A twenty four got the most of my money this year. <laughs> in the theater. I'm not shocked. <laughs> um, also, like that one subplot of just uh, you know, when when Marcel first gains fame, um, oh, yeah, and everyone mm-hmm. comes to the house, and no one bothers to really help him. Yeah, he has it's it's all about getting the attention. Like, yeah. What's his with line him? where he's like, "Yeah, all these people like me, but they don't want to help me." Something along the lines of, "Yeah, I yeah. have all these likes on." you know, YouTube, but they're really not helpful. Yeah. Good stuff. It's amazing film. Um, my number six, if there's any justice in the world and if awards actually mattered about the performance, this young lady would win an Oscar for her performance. family during these times is admirable but you only get one take at this life if only they would just die pardon 
Nothing. Special dancing up on the screen like the pretty girls in the pictures. I will not let you leave this farm again. I'm worried there may be something real wrong with me. Rumor has it they only take one gal per town. We're looking for someone with X Factor. It has to be me. How about a film nobody else has seen? Is it legal? Will be eventually. I know what I've done. Bad things. Terrible, awful, murderous things. I want to be loved from as many people as possible. But truth is, I'm not really a good person. <laughs> My number six film is Pearl, which is the origin to X. Uh, one of the uh, surprises for me this year was at the end of X, there, there's a tag scene of them going back in time to 1912 to see Pearl's origin story. And even more shocking that the film came out and more shocking to me that I think the film is really, really, really good. Mm -hmm. uh, Mia Goth is incredible in this film. Um, whether it's uh, dry humping a scarecrow <laughs> or explaining to her sister-in-law. Oh, um, what she did I i'm not even joking it's nine minutes long no cuts no of her just telling the story of all the bad things she's done and it's the best performance of the year except maybe tom cruise uh talking to val kilmer and maverick it's best actor and best actress go to those two figurines yeah right there. um the it's shot in a way where it's kind of like an old technicolor film um, the, the trailer really amps up the horror, but it really doesn't happen till the last 20 minutes of the movie. The rest of the time is you're learning about Pearl and her situation and how she wants to get away from where she's at while she's waiting for her husband to come back from World War One, And it's... Uh, or maybe not World War One. Maybe it is World War One. Okay, yeah, I it is because they're in 1918 in the uh, influenza epidemic. Yeah, yeah. 1918, 1912. So they, yeah. So it's um, it's a extraordinary film, and if you haven't seen it, you probably should mm -hmm. because Mia Goth is that fantastic in it. And, and, and you're right; they won't give her that Oscar nomination that she so fucking clearly deserves. But that is this is the best performance of the year for me, hands down. And even uh, at the end of the film, while the credits are rolling, the camera never leaves her oh. face. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. um, you should watch it for her performance alone. Could, could a person watch this without watching X? Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Would I like this movie more than X? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and I it's, think so. And it, it, it's less it's less abrasive from the gore standpoint. Like it's really and, and it's on purpose. So X is going to be a '70s exploitation film, and Pearl is a Technicolor character study that has horror elements at the end. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's gore, but it's not it's not shoving it down your throat until the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a third one set in the '80s coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, coming out. Maxine. Called Maxine. Yeah. Max triple X scene. Yeah. <laughs> Max triple X scene. Oh. For extra sexy. <laughs> James, number Return six. Return of Sandra Cage. <laughs> uh, yeah, my number six. Uh, um, now we're getting into like really good movies. Um, I don't have a lot to say about this movie. Uh, you watch the trailer and you go, yeah, that's probably pretty good. And then you watch the movie and go, yes, that's pretty good. Here's uh, Here's my number six. Column Sonny Larry. In June, he used to be the best of friends. We're still the best of friends. No, you're not. Who says we're not? Sit somewhere else. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. Well, you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. You liked me yesterday. Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been done. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite. It was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. If you don't stop talking to me... Colin! And if you don't stop bothering me, I have a set of shears at home. And each time you bother me from this day on, I'll take those shears and I'll take one of my fingers off with them and I'll give that finger to you until I have no fingers left. Does this make things clearer to you? Not really, no. Starting from now. But shush like, Polly. You know, shush like. Yeah, I'd shush like. Would you not want him to have to do the one finger to see if he was bluffing like? No, we wouldn't. Because worse goes to worse. So you can still play the fiddle with four fingers, I bet you. Going back to your own gang now, Polly. And talking to me, are you? Why aren't you talking to Polly no more? That wouldn't be a sin now, would it, Father? No, but it's not very nice either, is it? Do you know who we remember for how nice they was in the 17th century? Who? Absolutely no one. Yet we all remember the music of the time. Everyone to a man knows Mozart's name. I don't, so there goes that theory. We won't call it quits. We call it the start. Cool. Uh, so my number six is the Banshees of Inisherin, which is uh, it's a Martin McDonough film uh, set on a made-up island off the coast of Ireland in the middle of the Irish Civil War, um, and it's pretty clearly sort of a metaphor for. Uh, for that war itself um but i i think what's great here is like the whole movie is funny and super dark at times and shocking and heartbreaking like it's just it's such a weird movie like it's something that you're you're watching it and, and even my wife said at the beginning like we were probably 15 or 20 minutes in when the actual like premise kicks off of you know uh um, Brendan Gleeson just wants to stop being friends with his best friend 
uh, Colin Farrell. And she was like, I don't know how they're going to, this is going to last like a whole movie. Um, and then it, it totally does. Um, partially because like you, you dig into the characters more and then because it goes, as you see in the trailer to some pretty dark and twisted places and things just sort of naturally ramp up over time. Um, and you end up with this at times really tense story. Um, but I just really loved it. I think it's I think it's really funny at times. I really like all of these characters. It was something that certainly ended and and sort of sat with me for a while. So um, definitely think it's worth checking out. I think it's it's one of my favorite Martin McDonough films. Um, yeah, I, yeah. It, you should just see it. So that's it. Corinne, number six. Okay, so I told Ryan during that trailer that I haven't seen the Banshees of Inisherin yet. So, sorry that you're not going to get that point for your little list, Ryan. It's okay. I've already gotten two exactly right, so I win. <laughs> but you yeah. you were on the right track because my number six is my entry with a bunch of British people in it because my number six is what happens when Mr. Darcy teams up with Mr. Darcy to drop a body off a Spanish beach. In five weeks, 100,000 British forces will strike Sicily's southern shore. Unfortunately, the Nazis know of our intentions. So we're going to play a humiliating trick on Hitler. <laughs> we have to convince Germany that our target is Greece. The plan begins in Spain, where a corpse will wash up on shore bearing classified letters. A corpse carrying fake documents. Given the fascist network there, we could quite literally float the documents right into enemy hands. Prime Minister, that's too big a risk. The fate of the world is at stake. The plan is highly implausible. So when can it be ready? Well, what say we start with the easy part and find ourselves a corpse? The thing is, the Germans have scrutinized every detail of our fallen man. Where are his legs? He must be as real as you or I. He would carry a letter from his wife professing her deep love for him. Very good. And he would carry her photograph. My contribution to the mission for a seat at the table. Although, what if the autopsy reveals he didn't die of drowning? Or if the briefcase is returned to us without the Germans seeing its contents? Charles, why on earth do you keep poking holes in our plan? I'm preemptively poking. Success depends on guiding the papers into Hitler's hands. The nightmare marching this way is only too real. And the Spanish won't let the Germans anywhere near our briefcase. We are in the dark. If the enemy is waiting for us on those beaches, history herself will avert our eyes from the slaughter. I may vomit. I may vomit with you. In stories of war, there is that which is seen and that which is hidden. In God's name, Fleming, what are you writing? Spy story. In the hidden war, the truth is protected by a bodyguard of lies. Its soldiers unseen pray, its heroes unsung. This is our war. So, my number six is Operation Mincemeat, which is the true story of the world's greatest deception, as it said in the trailer. Um, it's about the World War II operation to deceive the Germans into thinking that 
the Allied forces were going to land in Greece when, in actuality, everyone knew it was going to be Sicily, but they had to convince the Germans, no, it's going to be Greece, it's totally going to be Greece. So the kind of centerpiece of this big plot that they, uh, the Al uh, it's mostly British um, intelligence officers put together, is that they're going to drop a body off of a Spanish beach carrying classified documents saying that the invasion is going to be in Greece. And so then that way, you know, Hitler and everybody will will send all their forces to Greece and there will be very minimal resistance when they land in Sicily. And it's just a wonderful story, a, a, like a really interesting look at this true event and all the like little details that go into it. And it's also this cool blend of like, fi like when fiction becomes reality and reality becomes fiction because the whole plot of, <laughs> of dropping a body off of a beach carrying, docu carrying classified documents is, as they say in the movie, it was taken from a book at the time. So again, like fan or fiction becomes reality and reality becomes fiction. And they build the life of this, you know, fake British officer whose body they supposedly find. And, you know, they you know his parents and where he went to school and his girlfriend and um you know the letters she writes for him and the picture he has of her and all these things and it's just um yeah it's a really wonderful movie and of course it has all my favorite british people in it so it had to be on there um i highly recommend everybody check it out operation mincemeat on netflix is my number six brad number six uh, my number six is an 80s movie that was finished last year. Abductions of young women are still being reported. Another woman with mysterious radiation burns has been discovered. We're going to have a baby. Oh, my God. I can't believe that John's wife was murdered. You have to try and pull yourself together. This city owes me. Well, what's that? Justice. Why won't anyone do anything? We are strong on crime, and together we have the power. This is a big city. We're doing what we can. Tell the others I'm coming for them. I need you to help me. I would, but I want them dead. Crime has remained at an all-time low thanks to Ninja Fever. We're going live with this. These men murdered her because of what she saw. <laughs> it's linked to these abductions. There's something weighing us down. It's that damn ninja. <laughs> New York ninja's a real hero. So yeah, my number uh, six is New York Ninja, which is a f movie that was filmed in 1984, and then they just shelved it. <laughs> uh, they gave up on editing it, and then Vinegar Syndrome pulled it out, and then redubbed it, finished editing it, and released it this year. Um, and so, is the dialogue that they're dubbing is it all new dialogue, or do they have a script? I I don't know if it's fully based on the original script. I think they used what was in the footage, and then probably just added to it of their own like interpretation but um yeah it's all uh modern recordings of the dialogue uh yeah dubbed over the original footage 
Um, Sound quality sounds consistent for an 80s film, though. Well, it's 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 redubbed, so yeah, yeah and, and re sound affected and everything. So yeah, the only original stuff is the, is the footage. And what made it even better is I saw it at the C Film Center, and there was a glitch, and they had to play each of the five reels separately, so it would break. It had like four intermissions, <laughs> <laughs> and so it, we had to wait about five to seven minutes for them to put the new reel in. And so, you know, the crowd, we're already having a blast and we just had to like chill out for these little breaks and then get back into this movie, which I'm not really sure what the plot was anymore at this point. <laughs> um, th- th- there's this ninja and uh, the bad guys kill his pregnant wife. Yeah, and so you he see she gets stabbed in the stomach with a knife, bro. <laughs> yeah. And he vows revenge. And for like the next two hours, he just goes on a revenge spree. But he's also like, um, like rising in the press. And so he he gains like a public following and that's why you saw in the trailer like everyone's like ma- printing t-shirts saying how much they love the new york ninja um yeah and then there's like the villain has some like mutant powers yeah it's crazy um so yeah new york ninja was one of the early most fun it was like my number two for most of the year um so yeah definitely check it out as soon as you can it's it's a lot of fun and maybe stop it every <laughs> Uh, stop it four four times so you get the full effect. Nice, Zach. Number five. All right. Take me home. Um, my number five um, brought me closure to my favorite franchise in horror, and here it is. It's been four years since Michael Myers vanished without a trace. I was certain that I saw him watching me. You pretend like you moved on, but you're actually just obsessed with death. What are you gonna do when Michael comes back for you? Because he is coming. But this time, something feels different. He's more dangerous.
Yeah, so my number five is Halloween Ends. Um, and to be honest, it, it could even easily have any one of my f- top five could have been my number one movie of the year, and this is easily one of them. Um, does, does that mean I get points for guessing it was your number two? I think that means I get points, Brad. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> give him a point. I don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, I want to start by saying... You guessed it in his, his number two spot, but we're on five, so you just missed it by one. I, oh, there you go. Okay, I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll start this by saying um, I am disgusted with the Halloween fan community for treating this film the way they have because they all they wanted was another mindless killing spree. And if there's anything you've probably learned in 50 close years of this franchise, that when you do a random Michael kills a bunch of people movie, yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch, but it, but it's not the story you're wanting and you always complain and you always get bitchy about it. This was a unique take on the concepts of evil that were developed by Carpenter and Hill for a script that was written and produced for $300,000. Stop taking it seriously, guys. This mythology has never been made to go beyond one movie. So if it was going to go anywhere... I'm happy that they took it toward the realm of it's not just Michael who's pure evil. The evil has infected this town. And what happens when that evil consumes another person? And more importantly, what does trauma caused by the danger of evil that has encircled Haddonfield all these years, when that trauma inflicts itself into somebody else and they do not get the help that Lori or Allison got, where does it go? What does it become? I appreciate that a movie that is a trilogy capper had the balls to do something like that. It is one of the best franchise horror movies I've ever seen because it takes a big swing. And unlike a lot of other franchise horror films in the sequel mode, it succeeds with the broad swing it takes. Uh, the kid playing Corey is fucking amazing. Um, the final climax is the only note I have is I wish that this movie were at least 10 to 15 minutes longer for more at the end of the climax, because that would have been nice to watch more of. I'm not going to complain because watching the parade of the, of the oppressed taking out their final vengeance on the repressed and shoving him into a fucking car meat grinder, whatever the fuck, was amazing. I loved this movie so much. And I really wish that it didn't have to suffer a bunch of people whining and complaining for no reason. This is the last Jedi of fucking Halloween movies. It's, it's I'm sorry that you didn't grow up <laughs> and learn how to digest a mature story properly. Uh, and the kills are fucking great. The kill in the fucking DJ, uh, in the DJ booth with the tongue is, is remarkably violent in a place where I wasn't expecting it to be. Uh, there's a lot of wonderful layers working in this film. I can't wait to pick up the Blu-ray now that I have a day off and I cannot wait to keep rewatching this and redigesting it. And if there was anything that was going to be faithful to Carpenter's, ideas of where to take Halloween after Halloween 2 
which was to have the town of Haddonfield consumed by evil. This is the closest we get, and I'm very happy we got it. And that's it. I just want to point out, I know the trailer so well that I scared Corinne during it. Uh, the part where Michael pops out of the sewers I'm oh. guess really quick, and I got her. Oh. So. Well, I'm sorry if you felt fear, but also, <laughs> Ryan, you're very clever, and I, I, I admire know. you. And I know you like this movie, too. So. I do. I'm I glad do. I'm not alone expressing myself on this film because hey remember when we went and saw it opening night and uh oh we left God. within five minutes of watching it yeah that was awful that's my worst movie going experience of all time were they being as bad as they ended up being on the internet like like oh, a day yeah, later it was horrible. okay good yeah fuck those guys it was horrible they wouldn't stop talking and yelling at each other and yeah. uh, it was, it was oh and the, the first movie. 10 minutes of halloween ends by the way is like is a mind trip <laughs> yeah it was awful yeah um, I'm sure my number five is going to make a lot of people mad. Um, however, if you want a master class in acting and really clever dialogue and a really fun story, then you won't only get this from a Beatles song. You'll also get it from a film. Hello. Oh, my God. Crew, we've arrived. Disruptors. Have assembled. Welcome, gang. We got a great weekend. Who's that? Benoit Blanc, the detective? Mr. Prompt. I cannot overstate my gratitude to be here. When's the murder mystery start? I've invited you all to my island. Hi. Because tonight, a murder will be committed. My murder. Once you're dead. Will we still be able to talk to you? Yeah, I'm not playing dead the whole weekend, dude. Well, this is truly delightful. Across the island, I've hidden clues. You will have to closely observe each other. If anyone can name the killer, that person wins our game. Any questions? Alibari. Uh, that has a kick. Oh my God, what happened? Oh, holy shit! Ladies and gentlemen, there's been a murder, and the killer is in plain sight. For at least one person, this is not a game. I must insist that nobody touch the body. Jeez, detective, who killed the party? I need to find a motive for murder. Everyone would stab a friend in the back to hold on to this rich bastard. Ooh, 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 deal with it. You're all friends. Why would anyone commit murder? Are we even going to talk about the elephant in the room? Am I the elephant? Yeah, you're the elephant. You're not that bad. I'm going to danger you. Are you calling me dangerous? Well, we'll see. Let it all out. Hell yeah! This is reckless. The killer wouldn't hesitate to kill again if it covers their tracks. really great at clue huh i'm very bad at dumb things ticking boxes running around searching all the rooms it's just a terrible terrible game uh my number five is glass onion nice. it is a I guess a sequel. Is it really a sequel? I don't know. When it's Knives yeah. Out. It's another in the... <laughs> entry in the yeah. thrilling adventures of Benoit Blanc. Uh, it's really fun. 
Um, you heard in the trailer that he hates Clue, and it literally is a Clue game. Um, <laughs> while he's solving the murders, um, and it, it's what I, I I saw this with the audience, and I just remember the audience really enjoying it, and I, I love that it is a lots of twists throughout the film, and I love that. Daniel Craig gets to explain two murders in the film. Um, and he just kind of puts uh, Edward Norton in his place for his murder mystery um, very party stupid. that he's going to have. <laughs> yeah, technically, technically he, he explains like three or four murders in the movie. Yeah, I, I saw a post yeah. on the internet that points out that he explains four murders, two of which actually happened. Yeah, so it's it's really fun because to me the most fun in this film is I don't know if it's anybody else but is when you see him solve it and point out all the inconsistencies or how you think the movie was shot originally there's a little extra to it. It's like the uh the fat on the end of a New York strip steak. You see the steak but there's actually a little bit more to the steak. Mm-hmm. And um, Ryan Johnson is an incredible filmmaker, and every time I see one of his films, he just exemplifies what I expect from him, and he has never disappointed me in any film that he's ever made. So Knives Out is great. Glass Onion is great, and I can't wait to see what he does next. And Netflix, take down that stupid fucking subtitle. Just let it be ga- Glass Onion. <laughs> yeah, the you know, Knives Out is definitely more of a like traditional feeling whodunit. Um and I think that Glass Onion at we, like the first time you watch it it comes off as being like, well, it's a little sillier and it's a little bit more, you know, like it's wonkier, which is definitely, you know, intentional. I think what's great about this and what's great about Ryan Johnson is right, he didn't he didn't just give us another Knives Out movie. He really thought about it and came up with an idea here you know, because there is this one reveal in the film that is really the lens through which everything else, the whole rest of the movie is written, right? Which is slight spoilers, right? But someone in this movie is actually incredibly stupid. And that reveal, that's even the thing he says in the trailer, like that reveal is the key to the movie and and the way that he wrote it and, and is actually the thing that Ryan Johnson uses to pull one over on the audience. And like, that's the thing that once you realize it, you're like, this is fucking brilliant. Like this is a really great whodunit movie where he's really taking advantage of what an audience expects, right? Um, and Ryan Johnson never gives you the movie you expect. He just gives you the best Star Wars movie ever made. So yeah, yep. really good pick. <laughs> yes. Mostly because like Knives Out starts right away with the murder. Like I think one of the first right. shots you see is Thromby's uh, dead body. And then this one, the on-screen first murder doesn't happen until like 45 minutes in. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Always surprise them no matter what you do. James, number five. Yeah. uh, My number five is the other really fun whodunit of the year. Victim's name is Leo Kopernik, sir. Seems he was killed in the costume store. And then he was deposited here. Staged, so to speak. How much longer do you intend to hold us all hostage? 
Or is that the idea? Gather all the suspects and interrogate each of us in turn until the mystery's solved? Marvin Kokonara's overrated playwright. Celebrated playwright? Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I can't read my own handwriting. There was an incident. I'll kill you. It's as good as a confession. It's not jump to conclusions, Constable. What do we have here? <laughs> Working late, huh? He killed Kopernik to hush up the affair. Case closed. I'm doing it again, aren't you, sir? Jumping to conclusions. Okay. Yeah. A little bit. You've never heard of Richard Attenborough. A real-life detective. I understand that you came to blows tonight in question. It was me, Inspector. I arrest you for the murder of Leo no, Cochran. No, no. We have a serial killer on the loose. Please, stand back! He keeps the key! Ah! Under the mat. We are no longer merely suspects. We are also... potential victims. So what did he do that made you suspicious? It wasn't so much what he did, it was more the way he did it. How did he do it? Sort of... suspiciously. Right. Uh, yeah, so uh, See How They Run is another really good whodunit movie. Definitely, like, funnier. Um, this is certainly one where you could kind of... You could kind of call it at some point you kind of figure out like okay but i think that the real third act reveal of the of the movie is is really fun and a and a really cool idea um just delightful this is one that like my my mom texted me and was like hey you we just went and saw this in the theater you guys need to see this funny um, story she when said I did, the same thing to me <laughs> yeah um well if you didn't take that advice you should have because it was really fun i did it's um, a really fun yeah. movie yeah, yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, I think Shersha Ronan is just stellar, uh, and Sam Rockwell is really fun. So, yeah, you should check this movie out. See how they run. Yeah, there is a character in it who explains the whole movie at one yes. point. And, it's so good. And it happens. So <laughs> It's so good. I mean, obviously, because you don't want to spoil murder mystery films, but it's right. it's a really fun moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, the the third act reveal that Ryan is kind of talking about is like actually better than the Who Done It. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me guess: the billionaire with the dinosaur fetish did it. Always. Sure. <laughs> Corinne, mm. number five. Okay, so I said earlier that I have a cheat on my list, and this is it. Um, I will say that. Okay, so this started as a limited release in New York, and then just this year, uh, finally is getting a wide release, if you will, to other other places, and I got to see it in a theater in 2022. So this is my number five. All aboard! It ain't right 
Lover, you were gone so long. Lover, I was lonesome. Think of it as my desire for you. Show the way so we can see. Show the way the world can be. If you can do it, so can she. If she can do it, so can we. Show the way. I'm coming away for me. Show the way. So my number, <laughs> I know the trailer's not very good. My number five is Hades Town, which is a stage musical that premiered in Denver in 2022. I got to see it. I want to say it was September. Um, I had gotten the tickets months ago after I heard, you know, good things about its debut in New York and how like it premiered in New York in 2019, I believe and won the Tony for Best Musical. And then of course, 2022 ha or 2020 happened and everything shut down. So then this year they started a national or world tour actually in Denver. And I got these tickets months ago, went to see it, had such a great time that I actually got a ticket for a second performance while it was still here. And it was so much fun to see the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice come to life on the stage um, but with this kind of, I don't know, like depression era sort of setting and uh, the, like the costumes and and at least with other musicals I've been to, you know, they they have like the curtain down and they have the pit orchestra and, you know, there's a great bombast of music and the curtain rises and you come in in this like middle of a scene kind of thing. But Town was so much different because the musicians are on the stage with the performers. There's one set that they use for the whole show. And even though there's, they don't have a lot, they do a lot with it. There's different like lighting fixtures that they use in the staging and the props. It comes together so beautifully. And the trailer that we just watched was mostly the cast that I saw. For whatever reason, the guy who plays Orpheus in the trailer was not the guy I saw when it premiered here in Denver. I don't know if they swapped the guys out at the last minute or something, but... Um, the cast I saw was phenomenal. I really wish they have a recording of them because the only recording currently is of the original Broadway cast. And those guys do a great job, but I just got really attached to the cast I saw and it was just phen phenomenal. For those of you listening at home, I highly recommend you see it if it's coming to a city near you. Uh, they have different tour dates. I think it's gonna be in Kansas City here at like the end of January or early February because I talked about going to see it with my family in Kansas City but it was so fun to to see it live in Denver so yes it was a cheat but it was for a good good cause so that was my number five Hades Town.
Guys, uh, guys, I apologize. This is my fault. I started this. Yeah. Should have never put you and <laughs> Brad never put and books and video games on my list. Yeah. <laughs> It hey, was a COVID Ryan, year, man. Ryan put three movies on his list last year and like a 10-hour documentary, okay? Uh, documentary is still a film. Yeah, documentary is a film. And <laughs> I just lumped all the Fear Street together because, you know, I almost did it with Pearl and X this year, too. Hey, if the qualification is you see it in a theater in the calendar okay, year. Okay, yeah, yeah, we get it. You're trying to be create uh, clever. And we're just like, what the fuck are we watching? <laughs> So was the stand-up special also something you saw in the theater? <laughs> I wish. That would have been awesome. Hmm. <laughs> Lawyered. Uh, uh, Brad, number five. Uh, I think this is our first repeat of the day, right? Yeah. Thanks yeah. So, yeah. My number five is weird. Um, oh. It's also weird. Um, the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Obviously, I'm a huge Weird Al fan, and this movie is f- hilarious. Um, tons of fun. Uh, you know, we haven't had like a good, just silly comedy in theaters in mm-hmm. several years. Uh, so it was just absolute delight. And again, another unique experience in the theater. We got to see, um, yeah, everyone else watched it on Roku at home. We got to see it, Ryan and I, in the theater, and uh, you know, had like an intro by Weird Al, and they gave us uh, weird um. Hawaiian shirts and wigs and mustaches. And, and they had a special Alamo menu. Just yeah, a special menu. The movie. Which is really difficult to order from. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it took a long time to get the special menu items. <laughs> yeah, I accidentally ordered twice. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Paid for all of it. Um, but yeah. the experience is irreplaceable. Yeah, the movie itself. Uh, you know, it's Weird Al's apparently going to make a movie every 33 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I, it's, it's just brilliant that it took this long that to make a parody of biopic music biopics. Uh, it, yeah, it seems like something he well, should have done years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For him to do it, right? Like, yeah. there's there's, uh, there's suck hard the shitty cock story. <laughs> no, that, no, that's that walk really hard bad. the Dewey cock story. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Zach. Yeah. Which <laughs> I've heard that sucks hard the shitty cock story. A long time. This movie tackles a lot of that movie, so I don't know why you hate that movie so much. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one does it really well. Uh, yeah. So weird. My number. My number five. Nice. Cool. Zach, number four. My number four is a repeat. It's Pearl. Nice. Yeah, um, the best homage to Golden Age Hollywood. Sorry, Damien Chazelle. I still haven't seen the movie he did, but from what I've heard, it disrespects that genre. Um, But uh, Pearl honors it while also subverting it and doing very, very dirty things with it. Uh, It is incredible. Ryan is correct. This is the best actress Oscar. <laughs> that yes, I'm right again. They don't call me the talent for nothing. Guys. That uncut shot made me physically uncomfortable in a movie theater. Yeah. Uh, I don't the, know if I was more comfortable in that one or in Terrifier 2 where he's like ripping this chick's skin off. But, you know, I don't know. I still haven't seen Terrifier 2. So. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> Given how long it took me to get to and Terrifier Korean, you 1, should we'll see. Terrifier see. 2. <laughs> <laughs> I love horror films, but there are ones where I'm just like, I need to be. Definitely see the first one before you see two, though. <laughs> oh no! Get no. the full experience. So you don't. You know, no. you're not missing anything. Stop it. Um, but yeah, no. Pearl just Pearl just hits a lot of great notes. It's a great character study and a great character piece, and and the the aesthetic that they work with, uh, the silent movie theater and how they again they're playing around with the pornography thing, 
but they're doing it with the stag film like situation that would have existed at that point um and uh and just watching the the scarecrow the the subversion of wizard of oz in this film is clever without overdoing it uh and uh additionally the that final shot and that final moment where things get really riley um and where they just hold on that smile is just man it just it just hit all the right notes uh it's it's a very good film this is a it's it's one of the best looking and well produced horror films that came out this year hands down and mia goth i really hope she finds a way to get honored for this retroactively with some kind of drama or whatever because she deserves it for this it is an amazing performance uh so yeah number four pearl um my number four is also a repeat it's the batman um the batman is a really well-made film it is i I was talking to brad and i know i've brought this up before (laughs) i think it's the batman movie where he is batman the most in it a lot of times (laughs) You know, it's all about Bruce Wayne. And this one, he's Batman, and he's just, that's his single purpose, and it's his <laughs> driving force is, I'm going to eradicate all the bad guys. And Very good, sir. It's a line from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it should be, if I was in charge of script writing. Um, but the the score in it is so awesome. I think the film is so well made uh, from shots, from music, from acting, from the action. Everything in this film is pitch perfect for what it is accomplishing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, making the Riddler a serial killer, to me, makes a lot of sense if you're going in this route. Um, Because you also get Batman being a detective, which you don't really see too often in these films. Uh, A little bit in The Dark Knight. Uh, But I, I just... This is just a visceral, like, dark movie that's really well made, and I can't wait to see what Matt Reeves does next with Batman. And he turned Paul Dano into a pop star. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) If you want creepy Buffalo Bill-style music. Look, just give me Ave Maria as a single track by Paul Dano. I want that on iTunes, please. I've asked uh, for months now. Any uh, comic book fans out there, Paul Dano is writing... Uh, right now, you can pick up the Riddler Year One, and it's based off his Riddler in this uh, film. And it's, oh, really? It's pretty good. Oh, that's fucking dope. You should check it out. Um, James, number four. Hey, uh, my number four is a movie we haven't done. Um, you couldn't see it in theaters, but I really like this guy. Here's your movie. Why do you want to hunt? Because you all think that I can't. I saw a sign in the sky. I'm ready. Maui, Nita.
there's something out there. I'm coming with you. You can't. I'm trying to protect you. Protect me from what? It's time. That big of a sweep, James, because it's my number three. Okay, yeah, I figured. I was like, we're getting close to the end. It's really hard to sweep above five. Um, Yeah, uh, I love this movie. I love Dan Trachtenberg. Like, I I mean, this was one where I watched it and was so, it's just so dang cool. Uh, I don't remember what context, what the context was that I watched it without my wife the first time. Maybe she was out of town or something. I don't know. But watch watch it the first time. And then I think a couple days later, watched it again with her just because I was so excited about how cool this movie is. Um, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's like probably the second. Well, it's definitely like the second best Predator movie that exists. Um, a lot of really great action scenes in it. And I think what's what I would say is it's probably the best character story in a Predator movie. Um, it's the only Predator movie where you watch it and you're like actually seeing somebody like... Tr- grow and overcome something um i mean no offense to schwarzenegger but like you know all he learned was to smear himself with some mud anyway um i think it's great i think trachtenberg did a great job like my only gripes against this movie are a there is not a blu-ray and that this is the dark future of our silly streaming world um like i I can't get a blu-ray of this is insane um and wrong Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, not in theaters, yes. But also, like, I want a Blu-ray. I want a Blu-ray of, you know, We Are the Ricardos, or Being the Ricardos. I, I'm going to want a Blu-ray of 13 Lives. Like, c- come on now. Um, yeah, we're also Weird and Glass Onion. Are we going to have blue for those either? Nope. Right. I don't know. Netflix has done some stuff on Blu-ray, so we will see. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it sucks. Um and the uh, the other thing being like I do think that it's not some of the CG in this movie is not going to age as well as it I wish it would, um, but other than that I, I think it's incredible. So uh, yeah, I'll just piggyback off you since it's my number three. Um, it's a movie that when I heard the premise of it made so much sense to me because the Predator's been coming to Earth so long you don't have to keep pushing him in the future. I think it's awesome to have him go back and you know. What's cool is this, I mean, this Predator looks different, too, because he's, they obviously have evolved. And you're also, he, what's cool is the Predator also has this arrogance about him where he's going to be able to hunt these things down. And, and you take this 
powerful woman who's able to use just her sweet ass like scorpion spear and with an axe and just hunt him down and kind of beat him at his own game and just the movie's cool like it's just a cool movie uh, you know, I mean, I don't know any other movie where you're going to hold a dead bear over your head and the blood reveals the predator as he's holding it up uh, on his head. <laughs> it is so cool. It's just yeah. it's just a movie that I wanted it to be, and I was so happy that it was that movie. And you hit on something really good there, which was like I got excited about this movie in a way I don't normally get excited about predator movies. In that I watched it and was like, "What are you going to do next? Like, you could go set a predator movie in any time period. Yeah, you could like it opens so many things up." Um, yeah, really great. Really, really great. Also, uh, I think one of the few movies where they uh, uh, put like the, the native language in as an option to watch. Right, there's a Comanche dub. Yeah. Yes, that was so cool. I just yeah. appreciate that that exists. This was probably my number 11. I really enjoyed this movie. And like you said, James, I want to see more Predator movies in other time periods now. Like they could go to, you know, rural 1800s Australia or something, you know, just... Predator in the Outback, you know, whatever. Predator should do something in the Outback because there's, like, every wild animal out there is out to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> so. And now the Predator is just another. Predator <laughs> fights the Dust Bowl. <laughs> you don't even need humans. Just have them fight kangaroos yeah, it's a, or it's a, giant spiders or something. Right. It's like, yeah, the end of that movie is just he gets bit by a very small but very poisonous spider and the Predator dies and you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Corinne, number four. My number four was my favorite superhero movie of the year. This world needs a hero. We agree. The return of the Red Ribbon Army is near. What if some new world-ending evil shows up? So, who are you actually after? Who are you? An old-fashioned superhero. Is that all the power you've got? It won't be enough to win you this fight. This guy seems to learn his opponent's techniques as he fights. to believe in yourself and unleash that power. Everything you've got, no holding back. Seems we're dealing with quite a formidable foe. So my number four is Dragon Ball Super Superhero, which... Wait, that's its name? Yep. <laughs> I know. It's a really dumb title, but... Well, it's, it's Dragon Ball Super... Right. Colon, colon superhero. superhero. Oh, okay. I thought it was just Dragon Ball Super Superhero. <laughs> like Super Mario Brothers <laughs> and Mario Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Ryan, the things you don't know about the Dragon Ball franchise. <laughs> Exclamation point, extra crispy. <laughs> so just as a huge Dragon Ball fan, this... 
oh, man, this movie just pulled at all my heartstrings. The fact that Gohan and Piccolo are the two lead characters and Goku and Vegeta are off just like doing some other stuff. Because if you're at all a Dragon Ball fan, you'll know that Goku has just like taken over the franchise. And I mean, obviously, but every movie now, he's got to be the one to save the day. And so seeing these two honestly kind of side characters now coming back into the spotlight and defeating the bad guy and Goku and Vegeta get written out is it it was just satisfying to see two of my all-time favorite anime characters coming into the limelight and you know they get new powers they get to you know like I said they get the W at the end of the day and the music is amazing the animation they instead of doing 2D which I am going to miss they do 3D animation, but it's still really fun to watch. And I, this was tied for the film I saw most in the theater this year, and I got to go to the 4DX showing, which was weird, but it was just a fun time. And I love seeing my favorite characters back on the big screen. I just pulled it all my heartstrings. I'll tell you my knowledge of the Dragon Ball Z uh, franchise. When I worked at GameStop, there was a PlayStation 1 game that didn't sell at all. And then they didn't have very many copies of it. So every time we got it in, it was, what, Brad, $150? And we'd have it on the shelf for maybe an hour. Yep. That's my knowledge of Dragon Ball Z. My knowledge of Dragon Ball anything is that the greatest quest of all is to find that seventh ball. So is it just balls ball. that have dragons or is it balls from dragons? You collect, no, all, you you collect all the balls and you can make a wish. <laughs> Right, so if you collect all what? seven Dragon Balls, it summons the dragon Shenron, which they do in this movie. Oh, wait, it's I a really cool this. scene. <laughs> yeah, don't ask questions, uh, Ryan. You will get answers. Okay, no. I, so is there real dragons in it? There is a dragon in it, yes. His name is Shenron. Does he ever show up? Yeah, in the movie. Does he have balls? <laughs> or did he Did you lose your balls? What's the, what's the uh, Street Fighter quote? <laughs> No, Colonel, you've lost your balls. <laughs> yeah. Right. You collect all seven balls, you summon the dragon to make a wish. <laughs> what, yeah. what do people wish for? Oh, all sorts of things. You know? Bigger balls. Eternal well, youth. He, he only In shows this... up if you grab all his balls. <laughs> <laughs> Underwear. <laughs> that literally happens. Okay. Uh, whatever. Um, hey. Sweet, sweet, Corinne. Great pick for number yeah. four. Sometimes they wish for balls. I just want to say also that the music in this is really great. I've been listening to the soundtrack since I saw it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, my number four. Ryan, just, just to be fair, with you know some actual appreciation for Dragon Ball, the whole Dragon Ball thing is actually not that different from collecting the Infinity Stones. It's like the exact same thing. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, James. It is genuinely the same thing. You collect <laughs> sure. them all, and then you get a, you get a wish. Like sure. that's all it is. He means narratively, not quality. <laughs> no, I get what he's saying. He still haven't sold me on Dragon Ball Z. Super superhero. He wasn't trying to. Go to theaters no, and see Dragon Ball Z. Super wasn't. superhero! <laughs> yeah, so my number four Dragon Ball Super superhero. <laughs> okay. I knew one was going to sneak on your list. I knew it. I just didn't know which one came out this year. Uh, Brad, number four. Oh, I know there's another one. Wait. Oh, because, yeah, the menus. Sorry. Yeah, I, I was waiting for my third. Yeah. Um, oh, it's it's Turtle, by the way. Oh, yeah, Turtle. <laughs> I need you to pay attention. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Come it's out so, of your shell. From here on out, mine are all repeats. So, um, yeah, don't expect any of them. Don't expect much. But, yeah, my number four is RRR. Wow. Um, again, I got to see this in a theater. I think James froze up. No, he's moving. Okay. 
Um, yeah, I got just, to see just it. Listening. Actually, got to see it in the theater, and it, it was such a blast. It's a movie that I just says uh, that I just tell people it is all the movies. It, I, <laughs> it has every genre of movie in it uh, somehow. Um, it's a ton of fun. The action's great. Um, you know, it's, it's got a bromance. It's got comedy. It's got a historical epic to it. Uh, action. Yeah, musical. Um, it's just all the movies. <laughs> it's like every movie all in a single th- uh, thing. Uh, and, yeah, if you can get to see it in a theater, I think it makes it so much better if you can see it in the, in the original language. Uh, that, too. Um, yeah. RR. It's, it's, it's amazing. Check it out. Nice. Zach, number three. My number three is a film by a filmmaker who was friends with Martin Scorsese. And here it is. Movies are dreams. That you never forget. Sammy? The lights change how everything looks. It's hard to find our house. Ours is the dark house with no lights. In this family, it's the scientists versus the artists. Sammy's on my team, takes after me. What kind of movie are we gonna make? You dismiss what he does that's playful or imaginative. You could afford to be a little encouraging. She should have been a concert piano player. What she got in her heart is what you got. You can't just love something, you also have to take care of it. It's more important than your hobby. Can you stop calling it a hobby? Mom got a monkey. Why'd you get a monkey? Because I needed a laugh. You always have to be the center of attention. Stop shouting at her! That has been nothing but disrespect from you! I'm your mother! Family, art, it'll tear you in two. You stop making movies, it'll break your mother's heart. I don't know what to do anymore. You do what your heart says you have to. What was your favorite part? So yeah, my number three is The Fablemans um, by Steven Spielberg. Um, Yeah, I like watching Steven Spielberg say, you know what? I've entertained nerds for over 40 to 50 years now. Let me make a movie about things I like. (laughs) And uh, that's what he did. Here's one for me. Yeah. Because, yeah, uh, nobody went to see this movie in a theater. And if you're a Spielberg fan and you didn't see this movie in a theater, why'd you make Steven cry? Because uh, this movie's amazing. Uh, I appreciated him. Because I, have, because I have two kids and I don't I have I understand. I, you have an excuse. Others don't. 
<laughs> you have the excuse. Others don't. Um, no, um, uh, uh, I really liked watching him tackle a genre that I don't think we've seen him cover a domestic squabble like this in a while. I mean, maybe catch me if you can. Uh, close Encounters. It's just interesting watching him play with a with a family e. dynamic e. like that with e. an actual what ET e. yeah ET I guess but there's an alien running around in there I'm talking about eh, I don't know what I'm trying to say I guess I just like watching him deal with a drama and not necessarily having to weave around it within a genre piece it's interesting to just watch him unfold a family day to day drama uh, and watching the dissolution of a relationship and did anyone else just cry? when he showed his film at the the dance mm-hmm. because he was showing oh, the in bully. a positive light the bullies that treated him so poorly. Yeah, and then he threatens to punch him. He's just like, I'm not going to punch you, but I want to punch you. But you don't know. They have to. It's like, oh, man, I'm not it, crying at this one part <laughs> where he's being better than everybody else. No, <laughs> I'll never put you in one of my movies, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, and uh, uh, lest we forget the great Judd Hirsch's um, – was uh, a, a role that should get him the best supporting actor uh, nomination uh, because it is it is a great one scene moment that just encapsulates the movie while also standing on its own two legs. Um, and then there's the second best supporting actor nomination that should come from this film, which is from David Lynch, uh, who gives one of the best performances of any career that has ever existed in human history. Uh, and for anybody who hasn't seen the movie, too bad. You got to watch the movie and know how fun it is. Uh, my favorite David actor in a movie is Cronenberg when he gets skewered by Jason Voorhees. Okay, but second place has to be <laughs> David Lynch doing what he does in this movie because it is great. Uh, and one of the reasons why I wish more people had seen this movie in a theater is because I think, I think it does its best work when it's working with its camera and I feel like that feels better on a big screen especially that final shot the final shot is a joke but the final shot is perfect and I feel like it works the best in a dark room surrounded by people who can all get the joke and it's brilliant to watch him be able to play in that sandbox and I really I, I had a an amazing time seeing that film, sadly with only one other person in the theater. I really wish that I had watched that with the most raucous, annoying crowd imaginable because it would have made it feel nice. <laughs> a raucous crowd for the Fablemans. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, man, look how he's holding that 8mm camera. <laughs> I've been oh, waiting oh. 50 years for this movie. <laughs> Speaking of 8mm cameras, hot take here. Spielberg made Super 8 better than J.J. Abrams made Super 8. Okay, I'm done. Whoa. Yeah. Um, uh, my number three. Throwing we- shade, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm supporting your boy while also dissing your other boy. <laughs> my it. number three we talked about is Prey. See the movie. It's a predator that kills a bear. <laughs> 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 James, you're number three. Making that poster. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, my number three is a repeat that we've talked about. My number three is the Glass Onion. Um, yeah, I already said. That's I think it's my great. number three as well, Johnson's James. A- so don't add words. It's just Glass Onion. <laughs> that is also. M- oh no, it's not. Sorry. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> I got confused. I thought I thought there were no other. Uh, uh, that's another yeah, point no I get other. for Corinne. Well, I guess because. Uh, 
like the trailer already played, so I guess it doesn't oh, gotcha. count as a tag yeah. team. <laughs> right. It only counts if it's cool. on the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, James, why do you like Glass like Onion? Out with my <laughs> what, Sorry. What do you like about Glass Onion, James? Oh, I mean, I, I already talked about it with. Um, uh, Ryan or Brad, I can't remember who put it on their list, but me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I just think it's a brilliant whodunit. Um, that Ryan Johnson did a really great job of coming up with a different way, and I do like, you know, I I actually kind of hope that he doesn't always stick to a format with with the these you know whodunit knives out movies. Um, it seems like the this piece of like at some point in the film going back and re, you know recontextualizing everything you've seen is at least the one thing that kind of links the two movies together other than obviously you know Benoit Blanc um but uh like that that was cool you know that halfway point just like in Knives Out where he jumps back it's just a it's a it's a good trick um so excited to see another one I will say going back and rewatching Knives Out I think the character work is a lot stronger than Glass Onion but when I yeah. rewatch Glass, I mean, I still have fun rewatching Glass Onion, but I think at least because I rewatched it like twice within a month of it coming out. So I was able to catch on to like the different clues a lot better. And, you know, the way like certain scenes are cut the first time and then you see like the full context the second time around and you're like, oh, like, OK, mild spoilers, I guess. But the one shot where um, they're by the pool and Helen throws the recorder into birdie's purse you mm -hmm. see that happen on screen mm -hmm. before you even know what's going on so yeah anyway but yeah i just he does it again with I edward think... norton slipping switching drinks yeah and you see it mm -hmm. and then he plays it you're like oh i did see that and that's really or clever. like when the bushes wrestle when yeah. dave batista's uh like sneaking around and of course again it... the second time around you know why I think it's also, like I said before, I think it's hard to compare to Knives Out from a character's perspective because in this movie, all of the characters are shitheads. So it's really hard <laughs> for you to think like, oh yeah, I, you know, like these characters are well-written and these ones aren't. No, it's not that the characters in Gra Glass Onion are not well-written. It's that they're all shitheads. Um, I think they're a lot more- that just makes them less interesting. They're just like, like more dramatic caricatures too. They're just oh, more yeah. fun that way. Like Birdie J, like she's just so crazy versus like, ev I mean, everybody in Knives Out is crazy too. But e Each one of them kind of represents an idea that, that we, we either currently face or have always faced. <laughs> right. And I just like the way that it incorporates the pandemic and like the whole COVID thing. Okay. Stealing this from the internet, but somebody suggested that there should have been a like post credit scene where Benoit Blanc tests positive for COVID. <laughs> and I'm like, that would have been perfect, but <laughs> that actually would have been good. Yeah. Um, I've <laughs> said this awesome. on Twitter several times, but I just appreciate the, f the fact that in this movie you have a black teacher who gets to just destroy this billionaire's mansion in May, 2020. Like there is a huge amount of significance to that. And as, Oh yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us sitting here were, you know, frontline workers during the pandemic. So I think, at least for me, I felt a lot of catharsis and just like vicariously like living through like when she's just knocking over all the glass pieces and just smashing everything. I was like, yeah, you you get it, girl. It's, <laughs> it's it, just so fuck satisfying. Yeah. Fuck your shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that 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 motif of upsetting sort of the power structure is definitely part of 
part of Knives Out as well, right? Because that, that's a movie that ends with the you know Cuban immigrant living in your fucking house. Um, so yeah, it, it's great. It's great. Ryan Johnson is brilliant, and this movie is is better than I think it's even being given credit for. I'm Benoit Blanc. I'm here to balance all scales. <laughs> I've seen a lot of Amen. great discourse online about this movie, and I think that that's a great thing to see, especially about a mystery movie, because you know, I think once you see it the first time, you're like, oh, that was a lot of fun. Like you never think about it again. But having people go back and rewatch it multiple times and just like getting really excited, like, oh, they're gonna make a sequel. Like we want to see the Muppets movie, and you know, I I'm just really excited to see so much. Um, excitement um or you know interest in this movie and the this expanding franchise so i want to see more knives out movies more benoit blanc mysteries so that was our number two three Three. yeah sorry it says two up there so it's confusing brad you're number three a lot of repeats in the shine yeah i got confused because on the disc i actually flipped my two and three but my real list my number three is top gun maverick um, no, just kidding. <laughs> it's a movie that I did not expect to like as much as I did. I'd never seen the original prior to it. And, um, even though Henry gave me that VHS of it, I just never found a, um, this thing really turned off. Um, I never found a way to actually play the VHS, but, um, yeah, after watching the original, I did finally, or after watching Maverick, I watched the original and I was like, I don't even need the original at all. Like, Top Gun Maverick is everything the original is and better. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, I don't know what to say about it. It's just a quality, well-made uh, improvement over the original. Um, Cinematography is better. Uh, the story's better. Um, yeah, uh, it's... It's just incredible. I watched it five times in the theater. Um, and the only one I regret uh, missing is uh, I never got to see it in, in IMAX. They recently, like, I think over Thanksgiving weekend or something, they put it back out again. But they, 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 they didn't put it in the Colorado Center 9 IMAX. So I was like, that's not even worth going to if, if it's just the smaller ones. So, uh, Did you switch your things because I picked your number two to be Maverick? You no. did, just because you don't want me to freaking win. Oh, no. Win. no, no I'm, I'm, <laughs> <just> <laughs> I'm going to need to see your list before this night's over. <laughs> That's fine. You can you can look at the timestamp. Um, yeah, Top Gun Maverick, my number three. It's it's fantastic. Obviously, we've talked much about it. Let's move along to your number two. Ah, <clears throat> wonderful. My number two is from a filmmaker who has up to now swept the number one spot. Um, and number two is still just as good because uh, he made a very fun summer blockbuster film, and here it is. What if I told you that today you'll leave here different? Pops! Pops! I'm talking to you. Bro, what'd you see? Someone above the clouds. That's big. How big? Big. You think whatever killed Pops is out there? Right here, you are going to witness an absolute spectacle. So what happens next? Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready?
we go. I'm talking rich and famous for life. There's plenty of videos for flying shit online. Ain't nobody gonna get what we gonna get. What we gonna get? The money shot. What's up? Undeniable proof of aliens on camera. The Oprah shot. You guys gonna tell me what's going on? Hell no. Because I'm now here, and you're the only person in the world that can get it on film. That cloud ain't moved an inch. It's aliens. They're just waiting for the perfect time to shove metal probes up our asses. I'll be rooting for you. I think we pissed them off. Yeah, they repainted your house. They're gonna come back. You ready? We got some work to do. Not it. Nope. I'll get him out. And I'll get the shot. Jello, tell me, what did you see in that cloud? Well, it's not what you think. No! They took him. They took him all. I gotta get out this house. I'm trying to save you. My brother is out there. I don't think they take you. If you don't look at it. But don't look, don't look. This dream you're chasing. Where you end up at the top of the mountain. It's the one you never wake up from. You'll be getting a call from my supervisor asking how my service was. Five stars, Angel, five stars. So yeah, number two is nope. Um... I I'm still I'm still mulling over like everything I experienced when seeing Nope, um, and I have yet to watch it again. But it, it immediately made an impression on me with the climax of the film, um, the idea of reclaiming narrative uh, that 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 was whitewashed uh, when it comes to cinema. Um, the very idea of doing Jaws but in the clouds, <laughs> um, the. Uh, the 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 way that this film unnerved me in a summer blockbuster way was the last time I felt this unnerved by any form of saucer or alien space creature in the sky was Spielberg's War of the Worlds when they suck all the people up into the little pods um, and um, have them like trapped in those little cages. Um, but this takes it a step further and literally has that that cloud shit them out. Uh, it is a rollicking movie that has a lot of ideas going on that I'm still unpacking, but uh, I, I really enjoyed watching Jordan Peele get to work with a bigger canvas. Uh, it was some of the most exciting, fun times I had at a movie theater this year, apart from maybe Shakespeare Shitstorm and uh, my number one. Uh, so yeah, it's it's really nice to kind of watch a filmmaker you like get a bigger budget and a bigger canvas to play with. Um, and that Gordy sequence still fucking unnerves me, as it should anybody. I mean, that monkey ain't here to mess around. Um, so, yeah, that's my number two. Nope. Uh, my number two is a repeat. It's weird, the Al Yankovic story. 
I am a big fan of spoofs. I am a big fan of parodies. And some of my favorite films are Hot Shots, Airplane, um, Loaded Loaded Weapon 1. And I mentioned earlier, I love when serious actors are delivering stupid dialogue. And I think this movie has it in spades. Um, And, you know, also the experience of seeing it in a theater with Brad uh, and every cameo that happened at the pool party when we were there, they all got a cheer. I, you know, when Conan O'Brien is Andy Warhol, people were cheering. Jack Black as Wolfman Jack is, I mean, how can it casting be better? And what is really funny about that is I was reading an article with Weird Al, and he, they needed all these people to play these parts. And he just went to his, he said his Christmas card list, and he went down his friends and called them up and said, hey, are you free for a day? You can shoot this silly movie with us and they all said yeah and that movie only took like 18 days to shoot um and it's just uh really cool how they did it and um i just had fun and i love how pissed al got when he found out that michael jackson stole his completely original eat it to parody it with beat it and he's uh, screaming at the <laughs> at the restaurant and hitting the phone against the counter it's just brilliant um yeah and it goes really dark like Weird Al does. I mean, the last third of the movie is this action revenge thriller. <laughs> and, um, you know, people getting killed, including Weird Al. Spoilers. Um, after he won a major award for being incredibly famous in a very specific genre of music. Um, yeah. So everything about the film just uh, touched me in my, like, uh middle school age to now just being completely silly and i appreciate movies that are silly and don't take themselves too seriously um yeah and that's why i love weird james cool um my number two is the batman um yeah i I think i've i've told at least ryan and brad this um i i watched this movie um i immediately felt like it was an absolute masterpiece and i still think that i think that that Every single shot, the the score, the plotting, the story, the acting, like everything about Colin Farrell, um, everything about this movie is just incredible. Um, if it weren't a Batman movie, if it were just you know seven, you you would all you would still think it was just in, it was just awesome. Like it, this is a movie that I will want to return to more often to than seven. Um, but and like I, I genuinely put it in that kind of a um, that kind of a space as a as a crime film, um, but I've also said I, I, you know I I have I think my my first feelings when it ended was that was a masterpiece. I I also think I hate it, um, which was that I I've really struggled with sort of the ethics of you know making this movie and having the third act action scene or or maybe fourth act action scene be basically a mass shooting or, or attempted mass shooting in a, in a movie which is the first Batman sequel to to Dark Knight Rises, right? Or the bat, first bat, real Batman movie since Dark Knight Rises. Um, like I, I, I genuinely, that, that happened and I, I was taken out of the movie for a while, and that's not my complaint, but I was taken out of the movie for a while because I was just sort of astounded that that's where they decided to go. Um, 
not even sure if that's right or wrong still, right? I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, if that was the the correct choice to make or not. I I would say that if you could watch the movie completely in isolation on its own, it is is what I said. It's a masterpiece. Um, Everything about it is is just so damn good. So, yeah, uh, The Batman. It's, It's great. It's the most excited I've been for Batman in a while. And to what Ryan said earlier... It, it's actually like the the closest I've felt to like the animated series in a funny way. And, and it wasn't until Ryan said that. I think it is because, you know, in the animated series, you don't get a lot of Bruce Wayne. He's basically Batman all the time. Uh, and this feels that way where you're just hanging out with Batman and Bruce Wayne is like this caricature that that Batman puts on when he wants to go out on the street, um, which I really enjoyed. So, yeah, the Batman. It's awesome. Brad. No, Corinne, you're number two. Sorry. Uh, my number two is Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, I was telling Ryan earlier during the trailer, like, if you'd asked me in 2021, like, will this be on your film explosion list? Maybe. Do you think it'll be in your top three? Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't think it would be because, I mean, you guys know I watched Top Gun and I was like, well, that was a movie and it was okay. And then this movie came out and was amazing i only saw it three times in the theater which is less than my sister who saw it six and my uncle who saw it eight but it's it was such a thrill ride from beginning to end and i am personally of the belief that maverick died in that first sequence like on the the dark star whatever they call it and that the rest of the movie is some kind of like a purgatory or like a dying dream or something because like everything is like a little too perfect but and it's also about like reconciling with people in his past and and learning to let go of what happened to uh to goose and to make you know make amends with rooster so i just appreciated also that they didn't shy away from how Maverick is still carrying trauma from the original Top Gun, which uh, it's been a while since I've seen that movie, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the attitude that when Goose died was just kind of like, you know, suck it up, let it go, like, you uh, just gotta move on. No, he, he mourned for like 10 <laughs> minutes in movie time. That's like probably well, three meant, weeks in real life. But weren't the people around him being like, suck it up, like, get back out there. You got uh, things no, to do. Actually, I don't think so. I don't know. I just feel like that's at least like the attitude that people would have had at that time, even if they didn't have it in the movie. But seeing how this movie allows him to come back to that trauma and again, like I said, well, I think reconcile as you get, with you get older, you you think back to those times, and right? You're able to reflect on them more when you're a young hotshot pilot and you're still enlisted in the military. You don't have a lot of time to sit and reflect on, oh, man, my best friend just died. And, yeah, that's tough, but I got to go do this mission. Wait, wait. In the in the first movie, he almost gives up being a pilot altogether yep. because of Goose. Yep. Um, so, yes, I would say grieves quite a bit. And the the... The issues in Top Gun Maverick aren't really about him and Goose because I think his relationship with Goose is fine. His really the problem is that that he in his old age has kind of realized he probably should have been more of a father to his to to his son and really been there more and like that's the relationship that's broken, right? Like cuz this boy doesn't have a dad anymore and in the first movie like they are kind of friends, right? Like he's playing piano, like he knows his son. He is an active part of his life. Um, and then kind of just isn't. 
Um, yeah, which I think is also a commentary on the way that like masculinity has changed in the last 33 years, 30 years, you know, um, like that you. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. Agreed. I just had such fun watching it in the theater. And I think I told you guys that I went to a pre-screening of it the Tuesday before it came out. And that was a ton of fun to see it with like the big audience and the big screen. And again, I'm not a Top Gun fan, but like when the, you know, the little intro came up and then, and then it hit like the credits with that music where it's like, boom. And I was like, Ooh, chills. Like, ah, the music's great and all the effects and the stunt work. And I'm really glad that Tom Cruise and company decided to wait until theaters were back open and everything was relatively back to normal to release this because if it had been like oh limited or whatever back in 2021 like it probably wouldn't have been as as big of a hit as it was yeah thanks for reminding me i forgot to mention like one of the things i loved is how it transitions from the old movie stylistically into the new movie with the music and the the, like danger zone and everything and the fonts even on the screen change (laughs) as the movie goes on um, and yeah. people people say that like that little text at the beginning that's like you know they go to flight school and it's called you know whatever and they're like it's the exact same but i'm like there's one tiny difference and they say the men and women and i'm like ah, okay i appreciate that so <laughs> yeah my number two top gun Hell maverick yeah. <laughs> brad number two my number two is or was uh, glass onion um one of the most fun experiences I've had in the theater this year. Another limited release. I went and saw it at the Alamo every day that I could uh, to continually experience it in the theater. Um, it, it, the first time I watched it, about 45 minutes in, I was going, did Ryan Johnson just troll me with thinking I was getting a mystery movie and he's just giving it a straight-up comedy <laughs> that uh, instead? Because awesome. I'm fine with that. Um, it is so much fun. And then, yeah, you get like half an hour of a mystery and like that's fun and um yeah it's expositional but it's not a boring expositional second half um like it it, it does what it says it's it's this glass onion it's this flimsy layered thing um that he pokes holes in um and exposes uh how within his own movie it's it's kind of dumb and he just kind of counters it with uh, all this great comedy with all these uh I think they're like more interesting characters than in Knives Out, like as a as, a, as an ensemble. Um, so yeah, I think the cast was bigger in Knives Out, so this yeah. feels a little bit more concentrated. So they feel a little more colorful, if that makes sense. I feel like they all get like equal time, and like uh, yeah, they're more colorful. Like the Knives Out cast is great, but I feel like you know mo- some stand out more than others. Um, but it feels like all around, everyone kind of gets equal time, and mm-hmm. I would agree with um, that. But yeah, it's, it's just, it was so damn funny. And the, when I watched it the second time, uh, you know, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't paying attention to like, what's the mystery going to be? Obviously I just got to enjoy just the humor of everything. Um, so again, I, if they don't put this on Blu-ray, I'm going to be so disappointed. <laughs> oh, so one thing I wanted to mention was after I watched it like the third time and was going through watching clips on YouTube and I came across the breakdown that Ryan Johnson did. For, for Knives Out and for Glass Onion and going back through the Knives Out breakdown, he talks about cell phones and he, you know, kind of says like, hey, if you ever have a villain in your movie and you have iPhones, the villain can't use the iPhone. And that kind of makes sense if you've seen Glass Onion because 
kind of walking around who the actual killer is, but you know, the killer doesn't use an iPhone. So I guess potential spoilers for Knives Out 3. <laughs> if somebody doesn't use an iPhone, we'll be like, oh, there they are. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It was just like a fun little Easter egg I thought of. So yeah, your number two was... Yeah, my number two, Glass or Onion. Glass Onion. I know people like to repeat at the end, sorry. Zach, your number one? All right, my uh, number one is a repeat. It's everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, Man, Corinne got you good. Yeah, she did. <laughs> yeah, payback for sweeping uh, Top Gun from everybody. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, you know, Top Gun's cool. Um, Top Gun doesn't have uh, half the things that everything everywhere all at once kind of does on a visual scale. Um, not Not talking about the epic nature. I'm talking about literally like doing everything, including having a raccoon literally work Michelle Yeoh like a puppet um, and two rocks talking to each other. Top Gun Maverick objectively does not have that in it. Um, no, I just love this. I just love the experience of this film. I watched the trailers for this film going like, this is going to be a fun, you know, early, late spring, early summer film. And then I walked out in tears, in tears of joy. It's, it's such a heartwarming movie at its core at its silly, silly, fucking weird core. Um, I love Michelle Yeoh in the film. Um, I know that Mia Goth's the best performance of the year, but there's so many things that Michelle Yeoh does to just win my heart in this film. That it's just, it's one, it's a character I liked watching. Evelyn is such a beautiful character to watch unfold. Uh, this, if I have a best supporting actress award to give this year, it's Jamie Lee fucking Curtis for this movie because of all the things she's asked to do in all the different universes as Deidre, it is a masterclass supporting character. Uh, Kwan Kwan, uh, as Evelyn's husband, broke my fucking heart uh, at a certain point during the film. Um, and to get to experience an emotional slash very cerebral, wacky movie like that with, with somebody I love in a theater and we were both crying by the end of it, it was just a wonderful experience to share. Um, so it, it, it ended up being my favorite movie going experience of the year was all the way back at that point. And just kind of watching this, this, these two directors who did the farting corpse movie, like completely ball me over in the best possible way. So yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once. If you haven't seen it, then you're, I'm sorry, you're just, you, you've missed out on an entire, uh, movement for a 24 and, and a great cinematic experience. And that's my list, gentlemen. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, my number one, which everybody guessed, is Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Um, because uh, Tom Cruise is one of my favorite actors. Top Gun is my favorite Tom Cruise movie. And and I've always said this about Top Gun. I don't think it's his best movie, but it's the most Tom Cruise movie. So I enjoy it tons. And sitting in a theater, because I, I saw this in every way you could see it. I saw it in IMAX. I saw it in 4DX. And then I saw it just in a regular theater, too. Um, and every time I saw it, I was more enthralled. I was more into it. Um, and I just enjoyed the hell out of it. Even when I got the, the Blu-ray, watching how they made the film is also incredible. Um, how they rigged the, the cockpits of these jets so they could film the actors in. And all the actors went through training to be able to do 
uh, shots in actual fighter jets. Um, the movie is technically one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. It tugs at my heart. And, I, you know, I <laughs> when you cry in um, Top Gun Maverick, and it's not necessarily the death of a character, but there's a scene... Well, I'm going to spoil it. Okay. So when, uh, <laughs> when Iceman and Maverick have their scene, Iceman doesn't say anything, but Tom Cruise's face throughout the whole interaction says everything you need to know about his relationship and where he's at in his life. And if I was going to nominate him for an Oscar, that's the scene I would play where he's crying by Val Kilmer talk, uh, typing into a computer to say what he wants to say. And then at the end where Val Kilmer speaks to him just breaks your heart and it's just awesome. And the whole movie is like, it feels like it was made for me. And he also, he also uh, fights a helicopter in it. So is, uh, (laughs) no, this exists. Is the 86 Top Gun still the most Tom Cruise movie for you? Yes. (laughs) Because, uh, the 86 Top Gun has three Kenny Loggins songs. Um, and there's just, I don't know. It's hard because there's some movies that just can't be replaced for me. Like, no matter how great a movie is, I don't think a movie will ever be as great to me as Army of Darkness. Um, and to me, it's always the experiences. And, I, you know, growing up with Top Gun and as a movie I always rented from Blockbuster. And then I could you could buy video cassettes. It was one of the first video cassettes I bought. Um, just a movie I love. And that this movie just added to how much I love that movie and made it better because that this movie is so great is why it's my number one movie of the year, unsurprisingly. James. Yeah. yeah so obviously my number one is also Top Gun Maverick. Um, I think I texted you guys after I saw it that like Joseph Kaczynski has proved himself as now, I think, the only person who I think should be allowed to go take old 80s properties and <laughs> reboot them. Um, because it's just like what Ryan was sort of talking about, which is Top Gun is... The reason why I think like Brad can't go back and watch Top Gun and understand how, how some like Ryan and I would feel about it is like it is more its legend than it is its movie. Um you know, Top Gun was a movie that in the 90s, you turn on the TV on the weekend, it was on somewhere. Like, some channel on cable was showing Top Gun every single weekend somewhere. It was just And I still around. missed it. <laughs> right, I know, yeah. Every time I meet somebody who never saw Top Gun, I'm like, how? Did you not have a television? Did, did you not did you have, have power? TNT in the 90s? <laughs> right, yeah. Like, how much wood did your house burn in order to keep warm <laughs> you know, in the winter? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Um and all our movies were watched through the window of <laughs> into someone else's house right yeah like this very much like tron legacy like top gun maverick is so much fun you are enjoying yourself from beginning to end but but to the to the legacy of the movie like ironically per the title like it um it it i i don't want to say it's better it's it, it just makes you appreciate it's so good that it doesn't take away from the original um and honors the original in a, in a weird way um and it's just it gets to be its own thing while also making you feel the way that the original movie feels right or or makes you feel right if you grew up with it it doesn't cheapen um, the original movie at all right right i think it enhances you know, and, it 
Yeah, and the, the things that are cool about the original or that you remember being cool, which is certainly the part that's true of Tron, right? Is like what you think you remember as being great about the original is what he gives you in this movie, right? Those action scenes are, are so good. Um, and, and even even when he's going to go like, hey, let's go play football on the beach uh, and everybody take your shirts off, like it's still great. And you kind of know what he's doing and what he's poking fun at. But then there's even a sort of a purpose there, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I thought the movie was incredible. The, the thing that to me really does top it, not just the fact that it was a, a great theater experience, but I alluded to this before with RRR. Um, the reveal near the end of them finding those jets in, in Russia or, you know, or, um, yeah, right? Yes. Unnamed um, villain place. Yes, in unnamed <laughs> villain place, right. Um, so, like, the that reveal of them finding basically the jet from the first movie is the kind of thing that, like, pops up in a first version of a shitty sequel script that you just go, like, that's so cheesy, that can't happen. No. In no world is your sequel to Top Gun going to be a movie where... Maverick and Goose's son end up flying the jets that they flew in the first movie in order to save the day and bomb the world. No, you can't. That can't be the movie you make. And the fact that they walk you into that and and justify it in just the best ways that when it happens, you're just you're you're just fine with it. When like it took in, me maybe to go ahead. Sorry, when you saw that in theaters, did people cheer? My theater cheered. Oh yeah, when they saw the oh. F fourteen Tomcat. Yeah, like, and and then, like, not only did they, but, like, it, it took me a second to even realize, like, wait, you just did. Like, I was excited, too. And then it took me 30 seconds to be like, no, that should be stupid. You can't do that. Like, you know Again. you can't do that. Like, if Michael Shabon had done a draft of this script, it would have been the first thing he would have taken out. Is like, you're not allowed to go do something that cheesy. And yet, you made this movie so well that it not only worked, it was everything you wanted it to be uh, it's just incredible like it's just Again, it makes more sense if he's actually film. dead when that happens no it doesn't make sense that makes it weird and not cool i don't Honest care question. no 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 but that but i don't need to think through it that way like i just i just want him to be a really great that's pilot, it and I, that's right? what i mean that's what i'm saying i don't want him to be dead i want him to have a, the next mission when he's on no 80 <laughs> Right. And he's he's like the um the Ed Harris character in the you know the first Top Gun, you know. James yeah. Tolkien. Yeah. Um honest question, how is it that we have the most bloated military budget but the villains in this movie have the F35s and we're like we have F18s and we can't like counter their attacks at all. Uh, just give guys. up. I mean, I think they do yeah. have more specialized planes, but they had to fly the F18s for that mission because of the, the different specs like I think the F-18s were the only ones they could fly for that for whatever reason. I think Corinna's right. I also think that you literally have to imagine up like fake future technology in order for us to believe that someone else could be better than Tom Cruise. Exactly, because no one is better than Tom Cruise. The only way the movie would be cooler is if, as it was going down to hit the target, he ejected and ran <laughs> in midair and, and got there before any missiles did. Yeah, or if at the end his plane, his plane flew into a volcano and then it exploded. Um, he exploded like the ghosts of aliens <laughs> all over the sky, and they went around and corrupted the souls of all the humans on Earth. That would yes. be cool. 
Or Ryan, what he has to do is he has to run That's a deep from cut, James. one fighter jet, jump over to the wing of the other, and hang on for dear life. Yeah. I would I would see that movie. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Another fighter jet flies yeah. in, and John McClane's like hanging off the wing. Yes, like, I'm Wilson here to help. Alive. 80s reunite. <laughs> Rambo's like shooting air. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. And then the two guys from RRR like ride in on tigers and <laughs> motorcycles. <laughs> and motorcycles. On fire. Yeah. Corinne, uh, we're actually going to see a trailer for Corinne. This isn't going to be a repeat. Nope. So, my number one, I've been waiting what? to talk about this movie. For literally a year. This was the first new release I saw in 2022. And if you remember, it was actually the first um, iteration of Showtime that I ever recorded for the new episode or the new the new format of the podcast. So um, it's an amazing movie and I'm so excited to talk about it. This is my number one. Girls of song. Don't you think your mom would want you to be happy? Suzu! Come be in the picture with us! Happy? But how? Welcome to the world of you. You may not be able to start over in the real world, but you can start over in the world of you. With its unique body sharing technology, you was able to draw out a user's hidden strength. I can finally sing again. She made it on used global music charts, just as I expected. I'm so scared. Nobody in their right mind would ever guess that Belle's user is actually a mousy nobody like you. I guess it's true that everyone's hiding some kind of secret. Susie, something wrong? This is typical internet behavior. Why does he do stuff that'll make people hate him? To preserve the peace in you, this creature must be disposed of. Who are you really? He's in danger. What? Wait! I have to help him. attention to a single one of your songs. I want to hear Belle sing! Yes! Yes! Sing! Sing! So my number one is Belle, spelled B-E-L-L-E, and it's like if, um, Oh shoot! What was that video game movie that came out with the with the Spielberg and all that? Ready Player One. Ready Player One. Yeah, it's Ready Player One meets Beauty and the Beast. The story of this teen girl who um, she's doesn't she lacks a lot of self esteem. She's just kind kind of maybe a little bit depressed and she doesn't have like much of a social life. And she wants to sing but she can't because of different anxieties that she has um, related to the death of her mother at a very young age. So she 
becomes this superstar in the virtual world and she ends up forming a connection with this character called the dragon or the beast and they have this kind of beauty and the beast style i won't say romance but kind of a a connection and watching the behind the scenes stuff last night uh, with the director mamoru hosoda who uh, also directed oscar nominated mirai a couple years ago and he is just like gushing about 1991's beauty and the beast and i'm like yes a fellow nerd i love it um and there are several shots in the movie that are taken almost directly from 1991's beauty and the beast and you can see the homage in that but to say like this is a beauty and the beast adaptation is maybe a little bit reductive because it's telling a completely different story and the beauty and the beast aspect is only one part of this much larger tapestry of story that's going on and it's animated it's so beautiful because it's hand-drawn animation when they're in the in the real world and then it's 3d animation when they're in the virtual world and both sets of animation are astounding and the uh, effects and the character designs are all wonderful the music it's a, technically a musical is haunting like some of these songs have stuck with me all year and I actually had to download the soundtrack because it is just fabulous to listen to. Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't tell you guys how much this movie meant to me this year. It's such a beautiful film. I saw this four times in the theater. I tried to watch it with my friend Julie. She was like eight months pregnant at the time. And we get 10 minutes in and we're watching the sequence where the mom dies. And I look over and Julie has these like giant crocodile tears. And I was like, what's wrong? And she's like, I can't watch movies anymore where the mom dies at the beginning. Like these pregnancy hormones are killing me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, I really need to get more of my friends to see this movie because it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's the movie made for me. You know, it's animated. It's a Beauty and the Beast sort of adaptation. Um, it's very timely commentary about social media. The fact that, mm, it's mild spoilers, but they're able to find out a whole bunch of information about people just from their different social media accounts. And like, they're able to basically dox them based on just these little tiny details. And it's creepy. I, I don't know how to explain it without you guys having seen the film. So I really recommend that everybody go watch this. And I have the Blu-ray out in the car if anybody wants to borrow it. But for those of you listening at home, it is on HBO Max. If anybody has HBO Max, please check it out. Um, I can't gush about this movie enough. It was definitely, like, by the fourth time I saw it, I was like, that's number one. <laughs> like, back in late January, early February, I already had my number one of the year picked out. Um, and also, I picked it because of the journey I went on with this film. Because when I first heard about it back in 2021, I already had expectations for, oh, like, this is who I think the Beast is going to be, and this is what I think is going to happen. And then seeing it the first time, and that didn't play out the way I expected, I was like, huh, I don't know. If you guys remember my first ever um, Showtime recording, I explained that right after my first view, and I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. I need to see it again. So I saw it three more times in the theaters, and like I said, by the fourth time, I was like, that's my number one. So <laughs> I have been waiting literally a year to talk about this. So finally, long overdue, my number one is Belle. Very cool. We've made it to the end. Now, Brad, I already know who won the guessing game, 
But why don't you tell us who guessed the nerds list the best? Can I do my number one first? Oh, fuck, that's right. <laughs> well, you, it, it, it turned over. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. Uh, Brad, what was your number one movie that I, I guessed properly? I can't believe it. What is it? We yeah, have no I, idea. If you haven't figured out yet what I haven't talked about yet myself, uh, it's obviously The Batman uh yeah my number one film of the year obviously or actually like my top three could like either of those could have been number one like i i like this batman movie but at this point there's so many batman movies that i like and that are good it's hard to find something new in a batman movie this one in particular finally does the detective work like um that he does in the comics and in the animated series you know, and does a little bit in the uh, Nolan movies, but it's, it's more of a background feature than the driving force of the movie. Um, so it was cool just to see Batman being full-time Batman and very little Bruce Wayne and uh, trying to solve an actual mystery. Um, and the aesthetic, I like seeing Gotham city as a character in the movie again. Um, you know, the Nolan movies very much feel like you're in New York or Chicago throughout except for Batman Begins with, you know, like it has the narrows and everything and it feels like a decaying crime-ridden city. Um, and this one is back to that where um, he uses, I think, Glasgow um, and then adds more to it and modernizes it and makes it a... Uh, uh, and yeah, there's like so many elements borrowed again from the long Halloween. Um, this movie starts on... Party foul. <laughs> is your phone okay? Yeah, it's fine. I'll get you more of my guys. <laughs> I, I, I dropped my phone off uh, of my <laughs> patrol car going 40 miles per hour and it didn't break in that case. So I recommend Otterbox um, Shock. That is a true story. I believe it. <laughs> oh. Uh, but yeah, I think Brad's right. And I think this is why I like this Batman film so much is because um, me, the ultimate adaptation of Batman has always been the animated series. And I felt this because you spent so much time with Batman and it's always been talked about how Bruce Wayne is actually the alter ego and Batman He's is the mask. Who, yeah. Yeah. Who Batman really is. And this one really explored it really, really explored it. Um, and also, uh, you know, not making the, uh, the movie revolve around just Batman focusing on a single villain. Like it gets a lot of different characters there that all that kind of the same level. Um, like even, um, uh, not Maroney. Jeez. I Falcone. just watched it last night. Falcone. Falcone. Yeah. Um, he popped up in Batman Begins and everything, but, uh, yeah, it, it has Catwoman, Penguin, um, the Riddler yeah. and yeah, Falcone and, uh, and the Joker <laughs> and the Joker. Yeah. Um, so it, it definitely feels like a fleshed out, like all these elements of Batman are existing at the same time. Um, yeah, it I just feels, can't wait to see what... It feels what more like a universe in that way, right? Like yeah. the, I, I, Now that I think about it, I'm like, you know, the, the Nolan movies feel like if you put Batman in our world, and, like, this movie does feel more like you're in this other universe where there is all this stuff, and it's lived in, and it's, you know... Yeah, um, and they all feel dependent on each other. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's a fair thing to say, because, you know, you said, said, yeah, you're right, they're all kind of just reciprocal. Like, they all exist... As they're supposed to be because you know I've always said that I always wanted a Spider-Man movie to open with him just a montage of him fighting like Shocker Mysterio or you know some low level right. like the Gibeon or something 
just a montage yeah. of him taking care of those guys. And then you get into the story. And, and this Batman movie kind of let you know that all these players are in this world right now. And they're going to play a role going forward. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, they all have some, some place in the mystery. Yeah. Um, there is one weird thing that, like, is a detriment to the movie where, you know, there's that awesome Batmobile chase and the reveal. And th- I don't know why uh, the Batmobile just doesn't immediately take off. Like, it waits for the Penguin to, like, go. And then the Penguin initiates this chase of destruction. Several semis explode. Uh, they capture him interrogate him let him go so they can capture the next threat but a few scenes later he's back at the iceberg lounge and he's not indicted for anything uh no reckless endangerment no speeding i mean he can still go to jail and bond out so so i guess he got bailed out by falcone yeah Yeah. well that's that's the corruption of this gotham right like yeah yeah Yeah. i suppose yeah it was just really weird that it was (laughs) was so quickly back, back on the street yeah, when you started talking to you, you know, about how many good Batman movies, I, at first I was like, yeah, it's actually kind of unfair that like Batman only has good movies. Like, how come every Batman, like, you know, if he's if it's a bad Batman movie, they his name isn't really the title. Like, Justice League isn't a Batman movie. And then I went, then I remembered that like for all of the '90s, Batman was the thing you made fun of. Of like, hey, <laughs> superhero movies are stupid. Look at Batman. Um, Batman and Robin. Yeah. Chill out, man. Right. <laughs> He's just he's just getting his you know his balance back, uh, yes. in good movie after good movie. So yeah, the Batman, my number one of twenty twenty two. Nice, good pick. Shocking, well no done. one. I, I picked three. I picked three exactly right though, and mine were hard too. I, I picked James. I picked R R R at number ten. That blew yeah. me away. And uh, yeah, Maverick number seven for Zach. Yeah, well, I've got, I've got the final stats if you'd like to hear them. Yes, of course. Uh, okay, so I did the worst. Uh, I'm going to caveat, I had to rush mine because I had to get my name before everyone else, so I didn't see their lists. Uh, so I, I, I came away with seven. I, I, I nailed Ryan's number one for three yeah. points. I got Corinne's number two for one point, Glass Onion. And uh, uh, I, I didn't notice until today. I should have noticed earlier, but I, I called James's number three, <coughs> number three, gla- uh, <laughs> Glass Onion for three points. So I got seven. Sorry, my throat closes up once in a while for some weird reason. Probably Cox. <laughs> Brad has no gag reflex, so yeah. <laughs> just wrecked it. Uh, come. Second worst. I wouldn't say worst, though, because a lot of these are separated by one point. Hmm. Uh, James got 10 points. He got my number one. uh, No, he got... Wait. No, okay. So, yeah, James got uh, one point for Top Gun Maverick, which was my third, but he put it in my one slot. He also got Batman, so he got another point, but he put it in the number two slot. Uh, He called Ryan's number one, Top Gun Maverick, for three points. Obviously, Doctor Strange and Avatar 2. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised that Doctor Strange wasn't on your list at uh, all. This is the first time hey, I haven't Fred. had a Marvel movie. Well, I enjoyed all the Marvel movies. I just, I don't think they, no, none I of them was special it to me. been your 10 Brad, or something. I, how is it possible, Brad, that you did so poorly that I beat you when half of my guesses were ob- obvious jokes? <laughs> <laughs> That's just, yeah, how much I suck. I, yeah, I yeah, you totally whipped. Yeah, closed, right? That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and then uh, he got uh, Zach's. He got he guessed uh, Zach. The uh, he guessed note for Zach, which turned out to be his number two. So he got one point for that. And he also called Maverick. He he, he got four choices for Zach, um, and pulling a Maverick at number seven, which I should have seen a mile away because Zach's seven always sweeps everybody. <laughs> that I was on the same page as James on that one. It's like I know number seven's going to be Maverick. I know it. <laughs> yeah. So three points there. The and nice then guys reveals itself again. He got Corinne's Maverick, which uh, he said number one, but it turned out to be your number two. Right. <laughs> and then uh, so yeah, that was. Um, I guess fourth place, and then Corinne, yeah, Corinne. Uh, Corinne, if you haven't seen Blonde yet, you should check it out. I think you'll really like it. I don't know <laughs> what that is. Is that like a horror movie? It's a nope. Marilyn Monroe biopic. Oh, yeah. that's right, with Anna De Armas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So Corinne. Please second don't place. watch it. I can't be responsible for you watching that movie, Corinne. Okay. Please don't watch it. I won't. Y'all had me for like Turning Red, and I was like, that movie was okay. <laughs> Put it in my top. 10. Uh, yeah, so Corinne got second place with 11 points. Uh, so, for some reason, called Top Gun as Ryan's number two, so that only got her one point. So he probably would have won if he hadn't met, met, done that blunder. Eh. Uh, and then called my number one and my number three, Batman and Top Gun. Uh, got one point each for Zach on Nope and Fablemans they're close enough and then got james's top gun and glass onion at two and three for one point each and then ryan uh didn't blow everyone out of the water but definitely won for the 14 points uh called my uh the batman for three points maverick for close enough for one point uh got zach close enough for nope and uh seventh place for maverick so that was a ran on for three points james Call that RR at number ten. <laughs> now I'm thinking it was collusion. Like you got to <laughs> together ahead of time. It's like, uh, yeah. And then uh, let's see. Yeah, and then the Batman um, for one point, and then got Corinne's glass onion for one point. So we, I th- I'd say we know each other pretty well. Um, we did get a couple emails. Uh, James, did you want to read your mom's email, or do you sure? Be happy to. Cool. No, no, no. I can read it. Um, cool. Uh, Film Explosion 2022. Hello again, Real Nerds. I just finished listening to the podcast on Avatar. Thanks for validating our decision that uh, we had no desire to see it. Uh, <laughs> I understand that James is going to be uh, with you for this Film Explosion. It'll be fun to actually hear his voice with you guys again. I hope the tech works. Uh, me too. Uh, there are a bunch of movies from this year that we still need to see. Hold on. I got to move the... I got to move this because Mike is in the way. There are a bunch of movies from this year that we still need to see, but I'll do my best with what I have to work with. And I'll warn you that I broke the rules a little bit. You know how, how I hate putting them in order. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is great. Number 10. This is my first cheat. Uh, MCU 2022 offerings. So her number 10 is just like all the MCU movies this year. Uh, I feel that they should be on my list because they're such a big part of something that has brought me so much fun and excitement in the past. I understand that there's a bigger picture going on in this universe, but unfortunately it feels like they are pushing a bit too hard. Um, 
Doctor Strange. So then she lists them. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, a mess and ruined Wanda's character. Uh, we really enjoyed WandaVision. And then this, what? Too, too much, too far. Uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, best of the three. That's funny because it's my least favorite. Uh, and yet I still felt like it was just too much. Um, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, there's not enough space here, and I don't have the writing skills of my son, shaking my head in frustration. Uh, number three, uh, Where the Crawdads Sing, a beautiful story, wonderfully presented. Number eight, Fablemans, very interesting. Uh, we just watched it a few days ago, and I'm still pondering it. Number seven, Devotion. This is based on the true story of two naval fighter pilot, or yeah, na- two naval fighter pilots uh, set at the beginning of the Korean War. Number six, Bullet Train. Believe it or not, Richard, I really enjoyed this a lot. Uh, we must have been in the right, uh, just in the right mood for a bunch of killing wrapped up in silliness. Number five, uh, Uncharted. This holds a special place. Ryan and James talked about this game and their hopes for the movie and uh, finally getting made. Several times they said that I should try the game, uh, thought I would love the movie if it, uh, if it was made well. It finally happened. What a fun movie. We got to see it with James and Brooks while we were visiting them in, in Michigan. Uh, it was perfect timing. James and Brooks both loved the game and talked about their concerns for the movie. After the movie, James grabbed me to take a picture to send to you guys. Fun movie, fun time. Uh, number four, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. I love that she put the full title. Uh, we had tickets to see this in the theater and then we got, uh, and then got sick and coughing too much. Very disappointed. Great characters. Um, Daniel Craig did a great job. I may... I may love it even more than Knives Out. So then from number four, she's, this is the other place where she kind of cheats. Uh, so from straight from number four is number one, action. Sl- Top Gun Maverick. Uh, loved this. <laughs> Walked out thinking that this could be my number one for the year. Fun action. Tom Cruise never fails at making this happen. Uh, we sent Ryan a text as we were leaving the theater saying that we knew that this, uh, what numbers, what, wow, this is funny. We sent Ryan a text as we were leaving the theater saying that we knew what Zach's number six would be this year. <laughs> well, she was close. She was close. Um, she probably met number seven. Uh, yeah, she met number seven. She just forgot which one was the joke. Uh, number one drama, A Man Named Otto. Uh, this is, uh, is this 2022 or 2023? Um, the release date was a bit confusing, uh, listed released in December of, uh, December 30th, but no local theaters, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she, she explains, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Alamo isn't showing it until the 12th. Oh, I see what she's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is weird. Uh, we just saw it last night and it's wonderful. Great story, characters and performances. Um, no surprise that Tom Hanks is amazing. The surprise with uh, Mariana Trevino as Marisol. I don't know what she's talking about because I didn't see the man called Ove. Um, and she uh, she made it all work perfectly. Um, cool. Well, that's great. I'm Now I'm excited to see that one. Um, number one mystery, see how they run. That's really funny that like she loved that movie even more than Glass Onion. Um Saw very little advertisement about this movie, and it was released at the same time as Amsterdam. Uh, she didn't. She didn't write in the fart sound. I just played. It's just what my my face does whenever I hear about Amsterdam. Um, sorry. Uh, uh, which they advertised the heck out of. Uh, glad we went to see this one first, and we were validated by the Real Nerds review of uh, and others. Um, 
This movie is a clever twist on an Agatha Christie mystery. They use the original as the backdrop for the new story. Sam Rockwell and Trisha Ronan uh, were great together. Honorable mentions, Death on the Nile, Downton Abbey, A New Era, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, and Enola Holmes 2. They were all very similar types of movies that we found enjoyable. The end. Love ya. Carol, a.k.a. Still James's mom. (laughs) Carol, I'm so glad you got uh, Where the Crawdads Sing on your list because I was tempted to put it on mine. It was maybe it would have been my my number 12, but yeah, the, Where the Crawdads Sing uh, was just kind of came went and came and went, flew under everyone's radar, and it's a really good movie. Yeah, yeah, um, cool. Uh, Ryan, any other lists? Um, I got one on Facebook from Danny. Uh, he says these are in no special order. X, Pearl, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which uh, the bus killing scene was really cool. <laughs> um, Prey, yep. The new Hellraiser, which isn't too bad either. The Long Night, I don't know what that one is. Refresh me. I don't know. Um, Terrifier 2. If you want to see two hours and 20 minutes of a slasher film that's way over the top, Definitely see that. Um, Smile. Halloween Ends. The Hatching. Which I think is actually just hatching. Uh, Nope. Watcher, which is really, really cool. If you haven't seen it, it's a really cool thriller. Um, Christmas Bloody Christmas. And The Batman. Almost all horror or thriller movies. Yeah. And even the Batman has... I mean, I'd say that's a horror movie for sure. Yeah. Not everybody? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I got. Uh, I just want to call out really quickly that the most disappointing film of the year was Sonic 2. Um, (laughs) uh, I will fight anybody who thinks that there was a more disappointing movie. Oh, well, you're going to fight fight Kellen then, because Kellen (laughs) loves Sonic 2, especially when he becomes a gold Sonic. Oh, gosh. Ryan, did I see that with you? Did we both like coincidentally go to the yeah. same showing? Yeah. Uh, ironically, we did, yes. Yeah, I think that was the funnest part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't bad. Nah, it's all right. Uh, shout out to the two movies I made uh, that I didn't put oh, on my yeah. list because... <laughs> I cannot believe you did. <laughs> that was going to be my big ringer in like the predictions. It's like, oh, I'm going to get this motherfucker. He's going to put Harvester in there. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I didn't because like this year of all years, I had too many films to choose from to put on my list. Plus so. one from last year, so yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it was just it, it just felt like I shouldn't take up those spots. Like <laughs> as compared to last year, I was like, ah, oh, what should I put on my list? Um, I'm gonna put an article of like all the other, you know, ten through twenties that I was like, people should see these, but they were just, you know, they all fell in the same yeah. rank for me. Um, but yeah, I, overall, any other thoughts on 2022 for everybody? Uh, I'll just plug the go check out the Real Nerds website because I will have a statistical recap of our 2022 film explosion episode on the website within a couple of days of the episode going up. So everyone, please go to realnerdspodcast.com to check that out, along with everything else that Ryan and all of us have been writing lately. Mostly Ryan. Me. I haven't written anything lately. And I'm working on a counter to your uh, 150 favorite movies of all time list. Yeah. 151. No. No, it's Price 100. Right More concise. <laughs> Better thought out. Yeah. Okay, cool. More efficient. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, see you in 2023.
Um, I have no idea what we're going to see next week, by the way. Uh, maybe Megan. I don't know. Or Mithrigan. 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 But James, thanks for joining us. No, uh, thank you. Miss, this is fun. Missed you. Yeah, uh, yeah, come back more often. Corinne, thanks for as always for being here. Hey, Zach, thanks for coming. Yeah, buddy. I love Jack Benny. <laughs> Put down that violin, Zach. You're not Jack Benny. Yeah, he had to leave early to go record oh, something with illusion. Neil Gaiman. <laughs> like, come Cut on. This Cut this out. <laughs> so, yeah. Big time. We'll see you at the movies. Bye. 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 Zach had to have his jaw wired shut for sweeping everybody this year, so <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's why he's not saying anything. He got kicked out early. Yeah. You waited all year, hear what the nerds have chosen. Will it be Joker or maybe Frozen? I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. Film explosion! Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bologna for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.